The Lifestylist, episode 169, featuring Scott Nelson and Justin Strawn. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you've probably figured out that I'm a pretty hardcore researcher when it comes to finding healthy products, right? Well, one of the things I've been searching for for a while is the number one best organic bedding that you can find. There's a lot of cheap, crappy stuff out there. And so I was really excited when I found this company, Altera Pure. And I got them on the phone when I thought about running their ads. And I do this with everyone, by the way, that I run ads for. I got them on the phone and I really grilled them about their whole process the company philosophy, where the cotton comes from, where it's made, how it's made, who's making it, the freaking water that goes in the soil. You guys know I'm hardcore. And Altera Pure passed my test, my scrutinizing test with flying colors. These guys make not only really well-made and safe bedding, but it is actually really soft and comfortable. I don't know. They cracked the code on making soft organic sheets, which are actually quite rare. A lot of the organic stuff is like freaking sandpaper. So these are just beautifully constructed sheets that are really good for you. They're organic, no pesticides, they're non-GMO, they're very environmentally and socially sustainable, and they also are just um, very transparent. You can find out anything you want to know. You can call them. I don't know if you'll talk to the CEO, but you'll talk to someone. They'll answer any question you have and they will prove to you beyond the shadow of a doubt that they are in fact making the healthiest bedding in the world. So if you want to check it out, go over to alterapure.com. That's alterapure.com. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 15%. Pretty cool, right? I always try to get you guys a discount. It works out well for everyone. I win, the company wins, and you win. So go to, once again, alterapure.com. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST and you will save yourself 15% off your order. Man, oh man, Organifi has done it again, you guys. They've come up with another delicious, super-powered, healthy drink mix. This is called Red Juice. It's packed with antioxidants and 11 superfoods, including reishi and cordyceps. So this is a really potent and easy-to-use and delicious red juice powder. So imagine you go to you know a place that sells like a pressed juice or something, and you pay 10 bucks for a juice. Well, each one of these juices, which is much easier to deal with and much more portable, by the way, costs you only three bucks per juice. And it's, of course, totally organic. So this is Organifi Red Juice, my new favorite thing to do like midday. I'll usually do like a green juice in the morning to kind of get alkaline, then a red juice midday. And then I do their uh, Organifi Gold later on in the evening because it's super calming. So these guys are kind of coming out with products to cover the whole rainbow and they all uh, have different uses at different time in the day. So if you want to check out the Red Juice or any other fantastic Organifi product, here's what you do. Go to Organifi.com forward slash Luke. That's Organifi spelled with an I. Organifi.com forward slash Luke. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and you will save yourself 20%. So it's a really keeping fat discount for you over at Organifi. Check them out. Their stuff is fantastic and I use it literally every day. 
people of Earth, my fellow humans, I've come back from the future to deliver the message that you asked me to deliver. I'm Luke Story. You're listening to an episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. And guess what? Today we're going to take a deep dive into the vortex of something called photobiomodulation, otherwise known as red light therapy. People always see me posting this crazy red light that I kind of take everywhere with me. And it's one of the most common questions I get. People always want to know, what is that thing? What does it do? What's the difference between that and a sauna, et cetera? So I decided, because I love this particular biohack so much, to do a whole show about it. And red light therapy is one of the most powerful health hacks in the known universe. And you're going to learn just about everything there is to know about it in this episode. If you'd like to get the show notes for every future episode, it's very easy. All you got to do is join my newsletter. This is not an annoying, crappy newsletter that spams you every three days. This is a dope newsletter from yours truly that just says, hey, I got a new podcast. Here's what it's about. Here's every single topic and every single link that was discussed in this episode. It's pretty dope. So you don't have to stop and screen grab or write things down when me and the guest are dropping knowledge on the show. You can actually get it emailed to your inbox every week. Also, uh, we also include the, uh, what do you call it? The discount codes for the sponsors and things like that. So people oftentimes get confused about what their 20% off code was and things like that. So that's also included in the newsletter. If you want to get it, here's what you do. You're super stoked, by the way, if you have a US phone, because you can just text me and get on the newsletter in like two seconds. So get ready to send a text. In the body of the text, you're going to put this one word, lifestylist, all lowercase, all one word, lifestylist. The number you're going to text that to is 44222. So get out your phone right now. You're probably listening to my voice on your phone, I'm guessing. Pull the car over, whatever you got to do. Enter the number 44222 and then in the body of the text, enter the word lifestylist, click send and voila, you're good to go. It's going to ask you for your email and name and then you're going to be on the email list. Now, if you don't have a US phone, you got to go old school and go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. That's lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. And seriously, just stop what you're doing right now and get on the newsletter train so you can get the show notes from every future episode. Now, here's the thing. If you sign up for it right now, you're not going to get the notes for the Juve show that I'm about to do, the red light show, because it would have already happened. You see how that works? It's a little twist of time there. So definitely get on the newsletter, you guys. That that really needs to happen. All right, a couple upcoming events. Check it out. In two days... In New York City, I'm going to be uh, doing a panel at Whitma Live, October 25th. Then in four days, I'll be celebrating my 48th birthday at Rama, New York City, where I'll be presenting a very, very special and deeply profound workshop, October 27th. My birthday is the 29th, technically. I'm a double Scorpio with the moon in Libra, if you're wondering. I was born in Denver (laughs) at 7.16 a.m. For those of you into such things, I still don't understand astrology. I did one show on it a while ago with... uh, uh, Ruby Warrington of The Numinous. And I'm actually about to record another show with her in New York City. So maybe I'll ask her a bit more about that. But anyway, I digress. Uh, come hang out with me at Whitma Live October 25th in two days. And then in four days, October 27th at Rama on the Lower East Side. And then I'll be back in LA for an event with Neil Strauss and his group called The Intensive on December 14th and 16th. If you want to hang out at any of these events, super easy. Just go to lukestory.com forward slash events. That's lukestory.com 
forward slash events where you can get links to tickets and all the information you need. So come chill with me. It's going to be fun. Okay, about our esteemed guests on today's episode. We've got two of the co-founders of Juve, a couple really great guys. We've become friendly. We had a really good time when they come over. We shot a bunch of video and stuff, which I think you can find at juve.com. They did an interview with me about how I use this device and stuff like that. And I'm always a bit like, I don't know, I have a bit of trepidation about doing a show that's kind of centered around a product sometimes feels commercially and weird to me just to be completely transparent. But the thing is, I just find really cool stuff and I use it every day and it's dope. And I just personally, selfishly want to talk to the inventors and talk to the founders and find out, you know, it's like having the ultimate customer service experience for me, sort of. It's like a live um, FAQ session for, you know, an hour and a half or sometimes two or three hours, as you guys I'm sure have noticed. Uh, and these are just some guys that came up with a really cool product. And I think it's the best in class and, uh, and I use it every day. And so I want to know what it does. And I guess you just get to be a fly on the wall if you so choose and, um, and learn along with me. So two guys on the show today, Scott Nelson is the impetus, the power and the energy that set Juve in motion. He's the head of commercialization. And then we've got Justin Strahan, who's the inventor of Juve and the head of R&D. And his wife inspired the original invention. And that's a story you're going to hear. So are you guys ready to learn about light magic? I know you guys like doing uh, all the lifestyle hacks that create the mind and body that's able to perform at the highest level. So if you're someone that wants to learn about how to deal naturally with skin problems, joint pain, inflammation, muscle recovery, hormone health, acne, uh, or you just want to stay up to date on the latest biohacking tech, then uh, you're going to learn a lot from this episode. Here's what we talk about. How humans have used the sun and red light to recover and heal for thousands of years. How the specific wavelengths of light used in red light therapy mimic the sun. The fact that you are essentially a giant solar panel that turns light into energy. That part is going to blow your mind. Very cool stuff. And combining red light therapy with osteostrong bone density training. Really great complementary biohacks right there. I do both of them in conjunction and it is next level. Designing the device that uh, works without emitting harmful EMFs. Now, these guys are smart enough. It's one of the geeky things I do. I'm probably the most annoying customer ever. But when I find a device that I like, I'm the dude who gets on the phone and says like, hey, I need to know the EMF level. I was just talking to a lady tonight at Air One. I was getting some uh, goat milk to make my uh, kefir. And I was telling her a story how I actually called the goat farm in Central California and said, excuse me, I'm a customer. Love your goat milk. But here's the thing. I need to know what your goats are drinking. I need to know the exact origin of their water. Like I'm that guy. So I love that these guys um, made a device with very low EMF and you're going to learn how they did it. Then we talk about the new features and benefits you'll find in the second generation of Juve devices, which I don't have. I still have the old school Max model, which I'm happy with, but they brought the new modular version over and it was bananas. So we're going to learn about that. And then we're going to talk about how Justin's wife and co-founder inspired the invention of Juve. The difference between an infrared sauna and red light therapy. There you go. That's the most common question. All of you that have been asking me uh, that question, and then I sloppily answer it for you. You're going to get it from the horse's mouth today. Then how Juve helps people suffering from joint pain and inflammation, the exact way that it works. The relationship between light and deuterium depletion. If you missed my two episodes, which I think were about five or six hours on something called deuterium and how to deplete it, 
uh, you're going to really want to know how red light therapy helps that process along. Then how light affects your mood and what you need to know about the science of measuring frequencies of light. Very cool stuff. Geeky stuff, but these guys are also kind of normal and relatable. So I think you're going to learn a lot and it's going to be very easy to learn. So get yourself out in some natural sunlight or under some red light and get ready to soak up some photo biomodulation magic with my boys from Juve. Here we are, finally, sitting down with the boys from Juve, ready to talk about some damn light magic. You guys up for this? Definitely. I'm excited. So before you came over, for some reason, the past two days, I've been a little bit out of it. Just a, a bit of brain fog. Haven't slept that well in a couple nights. You guys are about to show up at one. It's uh, 1240. I'm feeling like I can't put a sentence together. So I go in my office, take my clothes off. I sit in front of the Juve red light device that's hanging on my door, which I'll show you my little situation in there with clothes on. <laughs> and I go into my holotropic breathing uh, routine that really fires my brain up. And I'm sitting in front of that red light. And I'm like, see, this is great. I practice what I preach. When I have people on the show, it's usually because I'm doing what they recommend or what they, in some cases, have invented and manufactured. So huge fan. Just want to get the fanboy part of the show out of the way. Since there's two of you, I'd like you to each introduce yourself, give us a little bit of your background, how you got involved in, uh, in Juve and doing Red Light, and then it'll make it easier for people to identify whose voice is whose as we move on through the interview, so I don't have to refer to your name each time I ask you a question. You want to start? Yeah, sure. So I'm Scott. I'm one of the, uh, the co-founders of Juve, and um, I've spent most of my career in traditional med tech, so with companies like Medtronic, Covidian. Uh, Boston Scientific, Bard, primarily in the cardiovascular space. So dealing with products like uh, uh, peripheral stents and balloons and atherectomy catheters. So that's what I was doing in a, you know, quote unquote, uh, previous life before Juve and uh, co-founded Juve with Justin here, who I'm sure he'll you know, introduce himself here in a second. And then our wives, actually. So classic startup story that uh, we can certainly get into you know, as the conversation unfolds. But that's a little bit, of, a little bit about me. Great. Thanks. Excellent. You got the elevator pitch down nicely. I always, I, I always get scared when I ask a guest to introduce themselves because I'll say like real quickly, just kind of give us your spiel, and then we'll get into the meat of it. And they'll be like, "And I'm guilty of this too as a guest." It'll be 45 minutes later, and they're like, "And then I went to college." <laughs> oh no, no, no! no. <laughs> just want to give them a little context. Okay, next. I'm Justin Strand, also uh, co-founder of Juve. Um, I have an engineering background uh, and was introduced to light therapy by my wife, Melissa, high school sweetheart of 20 years uh, married here this uh, past spring. Wow, and, uh, that's awesome. Six kids along the way. And uh, yeah, it's been quite an uh, amazing ride. Wow. You have six kids? We do. Damn. Do you put your kids in front of the red light? They do. Yep. Definitely. They like it? You bet. Yeah, that's amazing. And how many kids do you have? We've got Scott? four. You do? Yeah. Wow. You yeah. guys are bringing a whole troop out here from the uh, Minneapolis, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. 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 Wow. You, you added to the population significantly here in California. <laughs> <laughs> Stop now. Jeez. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It's funny. Um, Scott, the stuff that you did in the, what do you call it? Med tech? Yeah. Med medical tech. technology yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Everything that you describe sounds terrifying to me. The balloons, <laughs> the stents, all this stuff. This is why I do biohacking because I don't want to be a customer of your former <laughs> career. Right. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, now with things like light therapy and so many of the other things that I cover on the show, 
It's uh, preventative medicine, lifestyle applications that I think actually um, help us avoid disease in most cases, and even in some cases, treat diseases, although most people that manufacture said devices cannot claim that they do that. <laughs> so uh, so let's jump right in here, man. Um, I'm trying to think about when I first found out about light therapy. It's probably, you know, I want to say it must have been actually learning about the juve when I first learned about red light therapy specifically. And so that's strange because I've been into health so long. I wouldn't say in terms of biohacking that I'm an early adopter of the use of light. But what really attracted me um, to the technology in general, and you know, just for to be fair, there are other manufacturers of devices around the world that do various types of red light therapy and LED, you know, lights and infrared lights and near infrared and all that stuff that we're going to cover. So it's not like you guys are the only ones, but you happen to be the one that I found. But I find that strange because there is a lot of science that backs this up, which we're going to get into. But when I discovered it, it was almost as if uh, I'm going, have I been living under a rock? I feel like I'm the most cutting edge dude when it comes to health. How have I missed out on the light thing? And then I thought about the fact that I actually haven't because, I mean, in a sense, I've been using this in nature because I've been into sun gazing for a really long time, maybe going back 15 years. Now, I didn't know that what was happening partially, one of the benefits was that I was getting that really nice spectrum of light that's inherent to red light therapy at dusk and at dawn, right? So I was getting some of the benefits in a different way uh, without even knowing it. But I've always known that light is powerful. So it's cool stuff I want to dig into. So what is red light therapy in general? How, do, how does it work? And, and you can kind of maybe frame it in relation to the sun. You know, to me, the sun is the ultimate nutrient. I'm a sun worshiper by all accounts. So how, how have you guys or people in this industry extracted that spectrum of sunlight and amplified it or made it applicable to a health practice? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's you've hit the, hit on the main key, which is that light plays an incredible role in our overall health. So uh, I think that's the the basis point that many of us, myself included, a few years back, were totally missing. I think all the focus gets uh, put on what we're ingesting, and we totally miss out on the fact that we are uh, designed and have for thousands of years under the sun, under sunlight. You know, virtually all of the all of the waking moments of our day, and. That's something that's radically changed, obviously, over the past 100 to 200 years. And I think that's what's fascinating about uh, light therapy. Uh, when I was first introduced to it by my wife, she had uh, tried it out in a salon where many people have maybe first uh, become familiar with the therapy uh, using red light to basically boost collagen production and help with uh, appearance and, and uh, beauty for beauty purposes, not so much the biohacking health goals and and so that's really where where we got got started and then as Scott and I both kind of started to dig into the science which as you referred to it's overwhelming and we discovered that you know this isn't just some out there concept that's been well proven for actually decades and just in the relative near uh, you know recent past was really determined that with a with LEDs can can be just as effective as uh, laser therapy that it that has been uh, you know, very effective for for all kinds of deep tissue, uh, joint pain, joint pain relief, those sorts of, of benefits. So that's kind of how we got brought in. Yeah, and and just to just to add that, you hit it on the head that most people when they hear about red light therapy, it's it's sort of compelling in a sense when you 
you know, flip on a device, it's super bright. You're like, what is, what's going on here? And then, you know, if you take it the next step further, like Justin and I did, it's like, this sounds kind of too woo-woo. I mean, right. I mean, this, this, surely this can't lead to muscle recovery and reduced pain and enhanced skin health and, you know, enhanced uh, cognitive function, et cetera, et cetera. But it's one of the therapies, um, that um, probably one of the, the, the most surprising aspects about light therapy or photobiomodulation, as it's often referred to in in uh, in, in, the, in uh, clinical literature, is that it's um, it's supported by a robust amount of published uh, evidence. And in, in fact, on with with continuous wave, you know, quasi coherent light therapy, like our our devices deliver, um, there's over 200 double blind placebo controlled studies um, that have been published on the benefits of of you know red and near infrared light therapy. That, that's an enormous amount of evidence that supports it. So it's kind of one of those these unique sort of things that's that's been around since like arguably the the mid twentieth century, like light therapy in and of itself. Sun, of course, has been been around <laughs> since the dawn of time, at least for for us here on Earth. But um, but yeah, it's been around since like the mid the mid twentieth century. But you know, it's it's not really hasn't been really well understood. It's, it's kind of this little niche thing. But um, it's 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 something certainly powerful and um, can lead to a whole host of of benefits. Well, I did a show in the beginning with one of my favorite guests. She's been on twice named Nadine Artemis. And she has a company called um, Living Libations. She makes really great skin products and dental products and things like that. And um, I think one of the things that she uh, really pioneered was helping the um, people within health and wellness become knowledgeable about the benefits of sun exposure. And she developed products that are natural that help you know, your skin recover from sun exposure and even some sort of natural sunscreens and things like that. And we did a whole episode about sun. Uh, I think if you want to go back, I forget the number. It was in the first 10 episodes or so, you listeners, but it's called The Great Sunshine Swindle. <laughs> so if you if you look that up uh, and Google that, you'll find it. But one of the things that was fascinating that she explained during this interview was something called heliotherapy which goes back hundreds of years. And it's, it's in fact, uh, it used to be a medical treatment to just basically throw people out in the sun. Yep. So someone would have scurvy or polio or whatever the diseases were of the time. And there were these clinics around the world uh, specifically set up with these rolling uh, beds where they would roll these beds out and throw people in the sun with these reflecting, uh, reflective sort of uh, uh, plates around them to amplify the sun if it was somewhere in Austria or wherever there was less sun because of its um, uh, longitude or latitude or whatever. It's always fascinating to me that there are, you know, there's medicine in the light, there's medicine in the sun. And then that sort of disappeared when companies started to make sunscreen. Sun became uncool and dangerous and was demonized. Talk about conspiracy theories, you know. Because <laughs> if you look back in history, I mean, our ancient peoples worshipped the sun. And I think many of us now look at those people and like, oh, those idiots, those cavemen, those Egyptians, what dumbasses. They thought the sun was important and relevant. They thought that was God. Have you guys ever heard of Jesus? Come on, you know? <laughs> uh, but I think there's immense power in there. So when when I walk outside, I'm getting these different wavelengths of, of light, a different spectrum of light that's very broad. So you could say there's this... Um, a rainbow in terms of the color spectrum or temperature of light. There's a rainbow and there will be different uh, colors within that rainbow spectrum present in sunlight, depending on what time of day. Am I right so far? Yep, exactly. So tell me about the different wavelengths of light that are isolated in red light therapy. These, these, what is it? Nanometers? 
yep. different, you know, your 550, 850, 750. What do the different ones mean? What are they for? And why would we want to concentrate essentially and mimic the sun's, the sun's spectrums into those narrow spectrums of red? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think the thing that that people forget about when they start talking about wavelengths and and, and trying to explain it in a way that you know people's eyes don't glaze over and so forth. But the uh, you basically have visible light, right? So between roughly four hundred and seven hundred nanometers, and and red obviously falls in that spectrum. So roughly between six hundred and them and six hundred seventy nanometers is what we would refer to as the visible red spectrum. And in those wavelengths, what they've determined is uh, they are incredibly effective at, at having some key biological factors. We can kind of get into more depth here that make it useful for the purposes of red light therapy. And then the broader term, as Scott referred to, photobiomodulation or, or PBM, even for short. Can you say that slower? Because yes. I always try to say that word to explain it to people, and it's difficult to pronounce. Photobiomodulation. Got it. So with, you, you only say it when you really want to sound impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it is any it's been interesting because even in the past two years that term has actually become more more generally accepted in the scientific community. Uh, in fact, just recently, uh, Dr. Michael Hamblin was uh, promoted to the what is it the chief editor of photobiomodulation, and I'm trying to remember the rest of the term, but they basically added photobiomodulation to the name of the, of a journal. Of the journal, yeah. whereas it used to be photomedicine. So, but anyways, I digress. So with the wavelengths, uh, red is important, and then also near-infrared. So as you've uh, seen on, on your, your juve and, and if you've heard in, in the, the world of light therapy, near-infrared uh, light at, sp- at specific wavelengths is quite uh, important as well. Uh, at this, from a cellular function, uh, standpoint, it basically has the exact same effect as red, uh, the red light wavelengths, uh, but it just is better at penetrating to deeper tissue. So the near infrared, looking in between 800 and 880 or so nanometers, are the the ones that have the most scientific evidence. So if you were to look on PubMed under photobiomodulation or low level laser therapy, you could find a whole host of other wavelengths that have some interesting things as well. But the bulk of the uh, science uh, has been has been shown in those two ranges, yeah. and, and like an, maybe an easier way to to describe it is most people understand that if I eat a carbohydrate or a protein or a fat, my body responds in a certain way. Um, it's not too dissimilar uh, to light therapy in the sense that when we our bodies will metabolize different wavelengths of light differently, especially at different times of the day, based on our sort of our built our our, our circadian you know, built-in circadian clock. And so these specific wavelengths, red wavelengths, and then near-infrared, so not, not far-infrared, because that oftentimes gets confused, but near-infrared, th- those two wavelengths have been studied the most uh, within the world of photobiomodulation. And like Justin said, they have the same type of uh, uh, mechanism of action at a cellular level. But, th- but that, that's pretty key to start out with, is making sure that like those specific wavelengths, if you're using a, a, a device or if you're just outside more, you know, what's one of the benefits of, of seeing, you know, back to your point about sun gazing, seeing sunlight in the, in the morning and the evening, there's a higher concentration of red and near infrared wavelengths in, in the, during the sunrise and sunset. And so it's pretty important whether you're, whether you're doing it naturally, which, which is the best way, <laughs> or, or trying to, uh, you know, sort of supplement your lifestyle with a, with a light therapy device. Well, for me, 
you know, in a perfect world, right? If we were, uh, say, we transport ourselves back, uh, let me see, pre-industrial revolution. So let's just say we go back to 1700, okay? I mean, we're still kind of screwed because it's post-agriculture, so we've already gone downhill because <laughs> we're not hunter-gatherer. Let's go back, let's go back 15,000 years, actually, okay? So we're paleolithic, hunter-gatherer, robust, healthy people. Uh, in that environment, no non-native EMFs, no junk, blue lighting, no preservatives in the food, no GMOs, no Roundup in our food, all of the stuff that we um, face now, no air travel, you know, all the things that wreck us at this point. It wouldn't really make sense going back that we would need all of these interventions, in other words, to amplify and and isolate that spectrum of light that's inherent to the sun because we'd be outside, we'd be grounded, we'd be getting exposed to cold, to heat, we would be getting challenged in every way, and we would just be a more robust creature as most animals are in nature, right? But now... It makes perfect sense to me to do something relatively unnatural, which is to harness those wavelengths of light that, sure, maybe we get a little of that near-infrared uh, and we get that red spectrum at dawn and at dusk. And sure, you can go out and get some of that. You don't need to buy a device to do that. However, <laughs> we're now being inundated with so many things that are antithetical to our health and well-being. So to me, like people always hassle me because I do all these preemptive interventions and enhancements that aren't technically natural. I'm doing air quotes. Like, yeah, plugging in a red light thing to the wall and standing naked in front of it for 10 minutes twice a day is not natural. But to me, that's just a counterbalance to everything else that we're being hammered with. And so 15,000 years ago, probably didn't need that because everything's working in accordance with nature, but we're so disconnected that you have to kind of go the extra step now and beat nature in a sense. So I don't know what the question is there. It's more of a statement in support of this. So what what are your views on, you know, how we're integrating something that's technically not natural, but we're isolating an element of nature, we're amplifying that, and we're taking control of our ability to use that, right. and also in shorter durations. Yep, yeah, exa exactly. Well, no, you hit on a good point, because most people don't think about like over the course of their day and at scale over the course of a lifetime, how little natural sun we, we really get. I mean, there's a, there's kind of a common data point that's referenced in, you know, on this topic that, that roughly 90, you know, in the low 90 percentile is the amount of time that we spend indoors oh, away from natural terrifying. sun. And, but it sounds super high, but when you think about it, look out, I mean, this is in, 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 in corporate America, you know, where I sort of have came from, we were in the Midwest in Minneapolis. I get up right, uh, in the, in the morning, get ready inside under artificial light, right? I commute to work, in a car inside, no natural sunlight. I spend, you know, and, and eight, let's let's yeah. add, you're behind the glass of your car, so you're eliminating fifty percent right. of the UV, the ultraviolet light. So even in your car, it's bright, but you're not getting actual, real, natural light. Right, exactly. And then you spend, you know, eight or nine hours inside under again artificial light. Then the sun sets, you know, especially you know mo most most of the time five. This sounds six, like seven a dreary life. <laughs> Congratulations on moving to yeah, LA exactly. and bringing bringing Juve with you. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's the reality for most people. And then when you start you stop and think about, it, you're like, wait a second, yeah, I probably spent ninety percent of my day inside, away from the sunlight, and so like we're in this space, you know, on a, on a daily basis, kind of in the in the light game. And it's like I find myself, I still have to be intentional about getting outside more, you know, and working outside because it's just it's it's a habit for most of us you know especially those that are probably listening to the to the show like getting outside more often and getting natural sunlight and so light therapy is just one of those supplements or, or hacks if you want to call it that to just you know to sort of feed your body 
you know, how it was supposed to be fed, you know, in our, in our, you know, based on our sort of how our bodies, uh, biological systems have evolved over time. Yeah, because if if light is a nutrient, which we know that it is, then uh, it essentially you could be said as you're taking a supplement, just like you'd take a vitamin D supplement because you're not getting enough sun or vitamin K2 or something that's you know difficult to get in our modern diet. So this is a way of supplementing the master nutrient, which is light. Uh, you got any views on on that? Just from a <laughs> you know evolutionary standpoint on how we might have taken in light before and the benefits of taking that to the next level now. No, I mean you hit on a lot of the uh, the great points there. I mean, as as you pointed out, our life is drastically different. I mean, even taking the light thing aside, you know, the radio waves, Wi-Fi signals, Bluetooth, uh, just the electrical uh, magnetic fields that we're constantly surrounded with. You know, for the ninety nine point nine nine percent of us that leave our power on at night or Wi-Fi on at night, we're constantly being bombarded by those things. So all those things have a negative effect on the cellular function and the mitochondrial function that basically every single function of our body boils down to. And so with with light therapy, what we're able to do is give basically a jumpstart or a boost to those functions and help uh, help restore that healthy cellular function to really bring meaningful health uh, changes for a significant number of people. So I think one of the, the funnest things about being in this industry is just seeing the wide range of responses that people have to the therapy because you, you it's impossible to, to predict what you know what people are going to experience. Uh, I mean, we've we've hit on a lot of the different things, but you'll have somebody that buys it because they want to uh, reduce muscle soreness or pain after a workout, and then you know a month later or two months later, they realize their skin looks you know five years younger, and they have people calling them out for it. So it's it's kind of cool just to see the the response and the the uh, really life changing differences that that the therapy can have. I think the other thing about uh, the sun part of the equation is that the time factor, you know, it's not just that we're spending so much time indoors, but it's to get the exposure of that much of the red spectrum of light from the sun would take a hell of a long time, right? (laughs) No doubt. You go stand in front of a red light device and you're three inches away from it too, right? And so the amount of it you're getting in as a nutrient, it's mega dosing that light in a 10 minute period of time versus having to catch a whole sunset period that might be an hour and a half of that spectrum or something at the beginning or the end of the day. Yep. So I like that too, from the perspective of just time economics. Tell us about how this nutrient gets into our body, because I think a lot of people are unaware that you are a giant solar panel when you don't have clothes on. Whoever wants to speak on that part of it, how you actually get the nutrient into your body. Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll touch on that um, briefly. So, at, at, a, at a at a high level, there's there's some so there's a, some different things going on from a from a um, from a mechanism action standpoint. But it sort of all starts at the cellular level. And so, red and near infrared light, as Justin pointed out earlier, um, it's the same type of mechanism of action. Our, our cells respond to it in the same way, specific these specific wavelengths. But depth of penetration is probably the biggest differentiator there between the two. So, so red light has a greater propensity to be absorbed by the dermis and epidermis of our skin. Whereas near infrared light has a unique ability to be to, to penetrate uh, our tissues deeper, and so that's kind of the the difference between those two 
those two ranges um, of wavelengths. Does the sun produce, sorry for interrupting, does the sun produce the near infrared, the invisible? It does. Is that what makes you hot when you're out in the sun? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is yeah. it? Well, it's, it's more the, the, the mid and the far infrared oh, okay. wavelengths that, that generate the mo- most of the most of the heat. Ah, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, carry on. Yeah, and Justin has a nice nice example to sort of like explain that, you know, if we, if we want to touch on that. But but on, yeah. in terms of the mechanism of action, there's sort of some immediate things that go on and there's like some, there's some secondary um, uh, things that happen at a cellular level. But for the, most researchers in this space, in the photomedicine space, uh, it's, it's, it's become pretty clear that, generally speaking, um, these wavelengths of light enhance um, mitochondrial function. So they help your cells uh, produce more energy. And if we, if we go down, if we sort of go down the rabbit hole a little bit further, there's a specific um, uh, enzyme during the fourth phase of cellular res- respiration, cytochrome C oxidase, or CCO. It, it, it absorbs these specific wavelengths to a great degree. And by, by doing that, by activating that enzyme, um, you're actually energizing electrons, in essence. Uh, and so you create this gradient. You help your cells create this gradient um, in the mitochondria um, that then helps produce more ADP, which is a precursor to ATP, which is, which is cellular energy. So if I just, you know, to put it plainly, these very specific wavelengths of light actually help the mitochondria in your cells uh, function better. They, they they produce more energy. Wow, yeah. trippy. And that <laughs> and that happens because your sun has photoreceptors in it that's able to see. I just I mm-hmm. picture our skin, and I didn't used to know this, but I picture our skin when I said we're a walking solar panel. I mean, it really kind of is like that. So all over our body, on every single part of our body, uh, our skin has the ability then to take in that information or that nutrition, and then the mitochondria then use that energy in a sense and are able to produce ATP. Yeah. It's like a signal. It's like a signal to, you know, your mitochondria. And the reason you get such a wide variety of benefits, right? Like everything from skin health to muscle recovery to joint pain relief, like all this stuff that almost reads like a too good to be true, you know, laundry list of benefits. It's because like mitochondria are present in nearly every single cell in our body. And so of course, you know, you get a wide variety of benefits because of that. You know, because it's it's the same mechanism of action throughout your entire body. The only limitation would be, you know, depth of penetration, right? If you're just using red light, for example. But you know, that's why those you know those those benefits are so so wide ranging is is, is because of that core mechanism of action. So the red light in and of itself uh, hits the surface of the skin, but the near infrared has the ability to penetrate beneath the skin, so into the muscle muscle tissue, ligaments. Does it go as far to hit your bone? Yep. Yeah, definitely. It's been shown. I mean, depending on where in your body and how much, you know, how many inches of muscle are in the way, I'm assuming. Exactly. There's just some some different factors uh, for sure. But yeah, there's there's published clinical evidence that suggests these wavelengths of light, near infrared in, in particular, does enhance bone growth, right? And nerve regeneration Ooh. even. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty interesting when you start really peeling back the... The so of the we we got to tie this into the osteo strong bone density <laughs> training. That's that's meaningful. Wow, that's yeah. interesting because we were talking touching on that a little bit before we recorded. It's a recent discovery of mine, and mm-hmm. it's just incredible, incredibly fast and efficient way to build bone density. And I mean, these guys are getting people out of wheelchairs that have osteoporosis very quickly. It's it's insane. That's pretty cool. But imagine adding the red light therapy to that. You know that's basically there's machines that stress your bones and bend your bones and mm-hmm. put pressure on them rather than your muscles. 
to increase, um, you know, the growth factors of your actual like physical bone. Right. So that's interesting. Hmm. Oh, my brain's ticking now. <laughs> Stay focused, Luke. Stay focused. <laughs> I'm like, let's make a phone call. <laughs> I'm always thinking of ways to sort of, because I meet so many fascinating, knowledgeable people like you guys and many people that have developed technology or a modality of healing. And I always just think, okay, how, who can these guys connect with and maximize the benefits of everyone's protocol? Sure. It's, it's fun and interesting to be able to do that. So give us the numbers of the different wavelengths that are inherent to sun, near infrared, far infrared, all of that. I, I want to know more of the numbers because you'll notice with different lasers, like I have a, where to it go? It's across the room here. I have some lasers from power medic lasers, cold lasers that you, you know, you can treat injuries with or tennis elbow, things like that. I use them to heal my dog's um, spade surgery. I did for a week, I lasered her little uh, wound every day and healed it like four times as fast. I mean, it's incredible. But uh, one of those is like eight, 808 nanometers and it's 1500 millivolts, I think. Now, again, I'd have to get up to get the device, but I'm always like, why did they pick 808? Why is, you know, like my uh, my blue blocking glasses from Raw Optics are 550 nanometers. It's They're very specific, the ones that people pick for different things. Yeah, I mean, some of it goes back to the cytochrome C oxidase and which wavelengths have been shown to activate that process. So as I mentioned earlier, there's there's a, you could find studies conducted on just, you know, pretty much any visible light wave uh, wavelength probably has some, you know, some inherent benefits. Uh, but when it boils down to the cellular function, it's typically in that six to six, 600 to 670 nanometers, and then again in the 800 to 880. And in talking to uh, Dr. Michael Hamblin, you know, he, even, in, even in his uh, expertise where he's published over 400 uh, clinical uh, studies, you know, asking him, he would basically say, well, 800, 810, 850, 880, those are all, you know, very, very effective, <laughs> you know. So it's, uh, there's still much to be understood, quite honestly, about some of the the nuances between those when you get, when you're talking just 10, 15, 20 nanometers apart in that range. Right. So I think it'll be really cool to see, uh, you know, over the next few years, some of the things that, that come out. But back to your earlier question on wavelengths in general, uh, sunlight has you know a wide range. So you have uh, UV below 400 nanometers, visible light, obviously, near infrared, which is roughly 700 to 1300 nanometers, mid, uh, generally thought of between 1300 to 3000 nanometers, and then far infrared, uh, well beyond that spectrum. But as we've discussed, those wavelengths all have a different biological response. So when you get into the mid and far infrared wavelengths, especially, those wavelengths are absorbed much more quickly by uh, moisture in our tissues or really any type of moisture. Uh, so the reference that, that Scott was pointing, uh, referring to earlier is the fact of if you find yourself out on a, on a hot sunny day out here in sunny uh, Southern California, uh, you feel that radiant heat from, a, from the sun. But if a, pla- if a cloud passes by, even though the visible light stays essentially the same, uh, the heat it feels like somebody just flipped a switch off. And that's because the moisture in that cloud is absorbing those mid and far infrared wavelengths and basically catching all that energy so that it's not hitting your skin and being absorbed, you know, in that top, top uh, couple layers of the uh, dermis that, that you oh, feel as heat. Oh, that's interesting. So the cloud's uh, acting as a filter. 
exactly. essentially. Wow, trippy. In fact, there's there's some studies actually that when when using more full spectrum devices, they'll actually use water filtration to filter out some of those those mid and far infra, uh, infrared wavelengths. Oh, for real? Yeah, on purpose. Yeah, just just to you know try to like harness harness in right. you know, specific wavelengths of light. Yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. man. And then what about uh, the difference between lasers? I mentioned that I have this laser here and I use it for different things and it's amazing. Uh, more of a medical device, very expensive, not for everyone, but it's one of those things like now that I have one, I couldn't live without it because I use it if I cut myself or if I have a mosquito bite, I'll put the cold laser. It's a very tiny uh, mm-hmm. diode, you know, it's mm-hmm. like one of your diodes in a little wand essentially it looks very much like a vibrator which is awkward when people come over and see it on the coffee table (laughs) but uh i'll put that on a mosquito bite and uh mosquito bite's gone next day i mean it's just incredible i'm like this is amazing you know but again it's 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 a case by case use it's not something that i would use every day i don't need it it's just you know as needed what's the difference between uh red light therapy and a laser that appears to be red it's essentially the exact same thing, uh, and and that's what's what really is the history of photobiomodulation or light therapy. It goes back to using lasers, uh, sometimes called cold lasers, as you referred to, or low level laser therapy, uh, LLLT. And many of the studies uh, that you would go back, you know, several decades uh, that have, that showed the beneficial effects at the cellular level using lasers. At a, at a functional standpoint, the only difference difference between a laser and an LED is a laser is uh, what they refer to as a coherent light source. So now instead of an LED has a, a fairly narrow band of wavelengths. So let's say that LED is, is a 670 nanometer LED or 660 nanometer LED. It's going to have, it's going to produce light in, in a, in a range fairly close to that, say plus or minus five, 10, 15 nanometers. Whereas a laser, it's coherent. So it's going to be using the exact same wavelength. And not only that, but the waves are uh, lined up. So you have them being, uh, and that's why they basically stays together in this tight beam that you can, you know, shine for, you know, up something up, up close or, you know, powerful lasers that can obviously go for, you know, miles. So the, that's the the functional difference. But what the research has shown, you know, originally some of the, the research that was funded by NASA, and they basically demonstrated that LEDs can be just as effective as lasers uh, for this entire cellular process that has been, you know, studied for decades. Wow. Interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you go to like a, a photo medicine conference, right, and you have a bunch of academics that are all doing research, most of those like old school like researchers, they, they would argue that laser is still the gold standard, right? But a guy like Dr. Hamlin, who's on our scientific advisory board, has you know published over four hundred uh, article, you know, peer reviewed uh, clinical articles. You know, he actually just published a, a piece just recently that basically like. The, like is it, it's hard to read a piece like that and not and not come to the conclusion that LEDs are not only just as effective as lasers, but they, they come with like distinct advantages in that you can actually treat much larger surface areas with LEDs than you can with a laser. So there's a lot, there's a lot of those those advantages to um, to using LED based therapy. And in, in fact, now when you see recent clinical literature that that um, where researchers have used LED therapy, they'll actually use a different acronym. So instead of calling it LLLT, 
they'll you they'll they'll say you know LEDT right so LED based therapy instead and so I have to differentiate yeah so and that's the, just because yeah, yeah. As technology advances LED yeah. technology advances you can do very similar things that you that you you previously couldn't so you can deliver even more specific ranges of wavelengths of light you can deliver even more or even more power density to a to a certain tissue stuff that you just couldn't do previously and so right you know but but you know, kind of as, as Justin mentioned, our, our bodies don't care where sort of the light came from, so to speak. Um, it just cares that it's a specific wavelength and it does a specific thing at a cellular level. Right. And so, yeah. And in terms of the power output, so you guys at the wavelength of light is what, 670? Or you guys have a couple different frequencies? Yep. We use red at 660 and okay. near infrared at 850. Oh, okay. Okay. So yep. it's a bit of a range. And then what about the the output of power. When I interviewed Arnie Grinstead from um, Power Medic Lasers, he was explaining, I said, why does one laser cut a pair of denim jeans in a factory (laughs) and one laser, you know, you can do surgery with it. It'll just cut a hole in your skin like a scalpel and yours just heals my tennis elbow. And he said, well, it has to do with the power output. You know, you can, as you said, you can magnify the power of a laser and that laser can go for miles or you put it up close and you could cut someone's body in half or something so what kind of power uh amplification are we looking at with a device like you guys make sure well i mean breaking it down like your uh with the laser that you mentioned you have i suspect it was a 1.5 watt or a 1500 milliwatt 1500 milliwatt yeah laser and so you'll see that's a pretty typical for uh, like a consumer uh laser in a medical setting you may see them up to three or even four a uh, thousand milliwatts, but the you, obviously there's dangers there when you get too powerful. As you mentioned, you don't want to be like uh, <laughs> cutting, overheating tissue. So that's a real uh, danger with uh, LEDs because of the focused energy aspect of that coherent light source. Whereas with LEDs, you have you're basically using a lens to broadcast that light over a specific area. And that's where uh, you can distribute that. So, in from a scientific nature, you're probably looking um, looking at studies in the photobi uh, photobiomodulation anywhere from 20 milliwatts per square centimeter on up to 100 milliwatts per square centimeter. Generally, that 100 milliwatt range is is considered the upper limit of what is beneficial for uh, human tissue to to be able to absorb and harness without uh, being overheated. Cool. There's one thing that I I like uh, about you guys, and that that you I think I think maybe I talked to you or I emailed Scott, and he asked you or something, but it was about the EMF exposure. There's two things that annoy the hell out of me when it comes to biohacking technologies: is a someone will make a technology that's really good for you and has a very you know, uh, legitimate application, but it emits tons of blue light. <laughs> it drives me crazy. <laughs> I'll get some device. I turn it on I'm like, awesome. You guys, you know, you're charging $10,000 for this device and you turn it on. It like ruins your sleep, which defeats the whole purpose of being healthy. It's excruciating. And you have to use it at night. Too. Yeah. Well, that, well, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of the devices you, you use them, you know, you use them passively and it is often when you get home from work at night, mm-hmm. I'm like, you God, you idiots. Like, why does everyone have to put blue lights and everything? It drives me insane and so i'll i'm the jerk that emails people and is like hey have you ever considered like doing a device without blue light and they're like you're the only nerd that would ever email <laughs> us concerned about it so no sir we are not but the other thing is emfs yep. and there's a lot of great devices out there that are good for your health but the manufacturers have either ignored out of ignorance or else maybe perhaps the cost or it's just not worth their 
you know, the marketing punch that they would get out of, you know, the time and, and money having to put into the, the development end of it. But a lot of these devices produce a lot of EMF. So again, with the blue light, while a device might be healthy for you and has a lot of benefits, it's also detrimental to your health because you're getting blasted with, uh, in some cases, a magnetic field because it has some kind of motor in it, or even just a really powerful electric field like the device that we're using to record on right now. I tested these headphones. By the way, you guys are getting blasted with EMFs right now. <laughs> heads up. Um, but uh, you know what I discovered, actually, I'll just digress here, is if this thing's running on batteries, it's it's very low EMF, but the, I don't trust the batteries. So I plug it into the wall and we're getting EMFs from the wall into the headphone. Sucks, but it's the way it is. But anyway, back to the point. So a lot of people make these great devices and they're good for you, but they're bad for you because they have EMFs. So how did you guys even become aware as you started to design a device for health that EMF was an issue? And how did you stop it from being really strong? Yeah, no, that's something that we were really forced to consider early on around the same time that we really were discovering uh, light therapy and the, and the uh, just the uh, incredible benefits of it. My wife and I, our oldest son, uh, was really struggling with some some different health challenges. And through kind of a, a process of elimination and learning about different things and reading, which my wife deserves 100% of the credit for doing all that because at the time I was in the corporate America and didn't have time to <laughs> chase that stuff down. But um, you know, she had really had a passion for taking care of you know, our health issues for all of us in, in, in the family. And, and she really discovered kind of the science behind the EMFs and the dangers behind it and come to find out that the one of the core things that was really keeping our oldest son from being healthy was being surrounded by EMFs all the time. And uh, he had just an incredible uh, change by simply unplugging computers and things around his bed where he slept at night. Uh, it was like a, a night and day difference. So uh, we were fortunate to become aware because like you said, a, a lot of people, it's just, it's not that they don't care or wouldn't care. They just aren't, aren't aware of the dangers of it. And for a whole host of reasons we won't get into, that's just not something that's very well understood or educated, you know, kind of in, in the mainstream media. So it was something that we were aware of and that we wanted to make sure that we uh, did everything we could to, to mitigate that. So a couple of the things that, that make a difference, a lot of it has to do just with the internal wiring of the components. So things like the drivers, uh, even the power cords. And on the, the, uh, the original Juve, the EMFs were, were quite low. I, I can't remember if you specifically had done testing on it, but we had n- numerous people that did. Uh, that would do tests and you know re- report their findings, but whether it was ourselves or somebody else doing testing on it, uh, that was something that you know many people are are now in tune to and aware of. So you know the, we're looking at outputs at the recommended treatment distance of uh, less than one milligauss, and then looking at the ELF or electromagnetic uh, fields of less than ten volts per meter. So both of those are about what you're probably experiencing walking through the middle of your of a room uh, at least of a house that has electrical power so it's it's just virtually nothing no detectable difference from what you're basically exposed to you know anywhere where there's electrical power so that being said we've even taken further steps with the new juve modular system because of uh, just think the the benefits of trying to avoid EMFs as much as possible. So uh, we've done some uh, pretty extreme steps in terms of 
the shielding and the power cords are now using like multiple layers of, of um, methods, whether it's um, a wire mesh as well as like a foil wrap to basically uh, encase the electromagnetic field so that it's the, that's not something that you're exposing your body to. And as well as the in, internal components, just really taking things up to a next level where we're having things custom manufactured that haven't, hasn't been done in this way Wow! <laughs> to shield things with that's like cool. aluminum and case drivers, things like that. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been something that, uh, we've been in tune to for some time. So it's, it's been, it's been actually really cool to see that people are in fact becoming more educated about that as something that they should, you know, evaluate when they're choosing a device. Well, it's sort of, uh, you know, one of the things about marketing a device that's largely in the beginning, the early adopters are going to be the biohackers that have an awareness about issues like this. So it kind of sucks in a sense <laughs> when you design something, you're like, oh, we're going to, you know, nerds are going to test it with their EMF meters and, you know, talk crap about you online if you don't do it right. And it's good. But I imagine as a manufacturer, you're like, God, we don't, you know, you have to do it overkill, especially <laughs> because it's for a crowd like me. But I, I appreciate that, you know, I really do, because um, I know that it's more expensive in, in terms of development to have to even pioneer in some in some cases to do some R&D to actually figure out how to mitigate those issues. But I just want to applaud you for that and say, like, man, it's for anyone out there that's an entrepreneur that's wanting to develop technologies in the health space just trust me, it's going to pay off later because you can use that then in your marketing as people become more discerning as awareness builds around other issues like EMF. You can say like, hey, we're the first to market that is low EMF, which is one of the huge selling points of Clearlight Saunas. I mean, that's kind of their claim to fame is I, th I think they're the lowest EMF in the business of infrared saunas, if not you know, one of the lowest, at least for a company that's large scale like them. And that's why I first found out about that type of sauna because I had a cheap Korean one from Costco or something. <laughs> and I was like, oh, EMFs are an issue. That's right. Shit, I'm sitting in a giant electric box. And sure enough, they were exorbitantly high. And so I started researching and then found Clearlight. And that's why now I work with them and help promote them and stuff because I think they're the best. So hats off to you. If anyone's listening that manufactures, uh, let me look around here, Biomats. Hello, Biomats. <laughs> Great devices, real high in the EMF there, guys. Come on. I don't think people in Japan listen to my show much, but anyway. But it's interesting, like, to just to add to that real quick, Luke, like, even with our new devices, like, there's some other cool features, right? Like, like they're Bluetooth compatible. They function with our app remotely. You can track, you know, your historical juve usage. All cool things. But, oh, like, what? people that are listening to this I'm glad like, you mentioned yeah. the new device because I'm just like, cool, it's bigger, it's module, <laughs> uh, it's different than the one I have, but I, I didn't even realize there were new features. Well, no, I mean, I, we don't have to go do a feature dump here, but I yeah. guess my, our point was that we... At the same time, it, you can completely hardwire them too. So it's 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 so it's you know totally Got optional. So if you're not right. if you if you don't like Bluetooth, you're not a fan. You can totally you can right. you can hardwire. Oh, I see too, what you're so. saying. So if I if I had it turned on and the Bluetooth was enabled and it wasn't hardwired, you know, I'd be getting some of the Bluetooth signal. But if mm -hmm. I'm someone that's EMF sensitive, I could just kill that whole option yep. and not even deal go with hardwire. It. That's yep, cool. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's one thing I like. Like I have my Aura ring here, and I, I'm having. Uh, Harpreet from Aura on the show. When I met him face to face first time, I was like, "How many times is the Bluetooth on this pinging my body?" <laughs> and he's like, "No, no, we know about that. We know about that. It only it it reports twice a day or something, or when you sync it." Or I was like, "Okay, good." Because I, I just really it's an it is an issue, but it's it's cool. A lot of people are becoming more well, aware it's, of that. It's funny when we launch when we like 
when we were marketing like the new devices, that feature, we got like, like people, there's a little bit of a backlash. Whoa, you guys, what are you guys doing? You know, you enabled, it's like, no, no, it's optional. It's optional. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> change yeah, yeah. The, change the word on the website. Optional. You got to make this clear. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like a cool feature to most people, but sure. some people like, you know, they don't want. The clear lights yeah. on us have that too. You can uh, play your music through the speakers and I never have it turned on. I'm always in there frying my phone, you know, yeah. probably why my phone doesn't work actually now that I think about it. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's cool. You know, some people like those. And to be honest, I've noticed some people are more sensitive to EMFs than others. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sensitive to EMFs. I get tweaked when I'm in an, an environment that has a lot of that stuff going on. You know, so I'd probably be one that would like lose the functionality of something like Bluetooth, like the Muse uh, headband, the meditating thing. Amazing piece of technology. I love it. But I don't love having Bluetooth on my head. So it's not for me, I'm just too sensitive to it. But for someone that's trying to learn how to meditate, oh my God, amazing technology. I don't know if there's any way for them to do it without Bluetooth because it's it's sensing your brain waves and like training you um, to meditate as you go. And it wouldn't really work plugged in. Anyway, hmm. another conversation. But uh, eventually everyone will catch up and at least like you guys have done, have options where somebody can just totally safeguard or use some of the advanced features that do have a little bit of a deleterious effect. We'll be right back after this important announcement. People ask me all the time, Luke, what's your number one supplement? What do you take every day? And admittedly, while I can't really pick one top supplement that I take every day, there's definitely about five that I do take every day, one of them being molecular hydrogen from Vital Reaction. And that's my friends over at vital-reaction.com that help make this here podcast episode possible. They sell two things. They sell a medical grade hydrogen gas inhaler, which is really hardcore. No, I use this thing every day. It's sitting right next to my couch where I meditate. I do 20 minutes on that twice a day. But they also make a much less expensive and accessible to many of us version of hydrogen that comes in a tab. You just drop these tabs in a glass of water, takes about 30 seconds to dissolve. You pound that water down and you just flooded your system with a totally safe and non-toxic, super powerful antioxidant. So it reduces oxidative stress, supports your body's homeostasis, and actually decreases the chances of disease. There's hundreds of clinical and scientific studies to support this. You can also go back and listen to episode number 112 that I did of this here show, where I interviewed a guy named Tyler LeBaron, one of the world's foremost experts on hydrogen, and that episode will blow your freaking mind. You've got to get a hold of some of this stuff. I use it all the time when I'm driving, when I'm traveling. Uh, it's funny, it sounds corny, but I literally don't leave home without it. I always have vital reaction tabs on my person or nearby. And in fact, right before I cut this promo, I pounded uh, a glass with two tabs dissolved in it. Straight up, real deal. So go to vital-reaction.com, enter the code LUKEH2 and save 10% off your order. That's vital-reaction.com. Use the code Luke. H2 to save 10%. And now back to the interview. I appreciate that you don't want to be too commercially and do a feature dump, but I'm I'm curious as a user who has the OG, uh, <laughs> the Max version, I think, which I like just fine. Um, I, when I heard you guys had new ones, I was like, that's cool. I, mine seems to work great. I don't, you know, maybe it'd be cool to have a whole wall of them, you know? Uh, like a Motley Crue concert of Marshall Stacks. It's just more impressive when it's bigger and taller. But uh, what are some of the things that you guys added in since I haven't talked to you in a while? 
Yeah, so so the, probably the biggest change, and 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 Justin sort of dropped that earlier. Is it's it's modular now. So right. if you don't have sort of the budget to go all in with like the max device, like you have, you can start with like one device now, and then add to it over time. And so you can sort of build out your full body system, really over over the completely it's completely customizable over the over the course of uh, over the course of you know a lifetime. So, to so speak. you might say, for when you guys listening, I'm looking at these panels, but they look to be about with. Three and a half feet long or so? Yeah, about, about three feet by nine inches wide. Oh, okay, each. three by nine. So that's one panel. So you could effectively hang that on your closet door or whatever and treat your upper body and face or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, over time, make it a little wider or make it longer so that it's complete head to toe instead of having to throw down all that coin up front for the, like the one that I have that's maybe looks like about well, four of those almost close yep. to it, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that that's probably the the biggest change. I mean, there's other features that we um that we incorporated as well. So like they have all of our de- devices now have built in uh, one touch controls that allow you to to not only control the time right of, of the device, but also you can switch between red, near infrared, or both in the same device. So if you just want to use all red wavelengths, or if you just want to use all near infrared, you can uh, you have that option now. Oh, interesting. With, with each and device. why would one? We'll get in. I want to get into some of the the benefits, you know, the hair loss, the hormones, the muscle recovery, scars, uh, mm-hmm. wrinkles, all that kind of stuff. But just offhand right now, why would someone one day go, oh, today I just want to do near infrared? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So most most of the time, people are probably going to use both just because there's, you know, that's where, like with our legacy devices, almost across the board, people, uh, you know, opted for our sort of our, our combo or our dual configuration of both red and near infrared light. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of benefits to, to to both wavelengths, but you know one example would be like my wife she um she deals with some melasma issues some pigmentation issues when using near infrared on her face, so she actually uses just red light on her face and then a com uh, you know that the dual configuration on the rest of her body and oh, so that's, a, that's that would be a practical example of someone that maybe doesn't want to use near infrared on their face because of you know p- pigmentation issues so um you, you just the, the cool thing is you have that option now you know right. most people probably won't use the option you know but right. it's there it's there if you want to if you want to do it which is which is pretty cool we, we mentioned the the bluetooth functionality if you're a fan of that you can now control the device remotely from your phone um syncs with syncs with your you know the the new juve app on your um on your phone um and by this by the time this goes live um apps on the google play and and ios or at the apple store will be will be live but um you can track your historical usage too so you can see uh, you know if you thought you were juving you know every day and you're you look back you're like wait i've only been doing it like twice a week you know i need to up my game a little bit so you can see you can track your your historical usage. Uh, That's which cool. Is, which is, I like, you know, cool. I like the, um, you know, a lot of the wearables, of course, have an app attached to them and a lot of the technology. I like the tracking because it helps me with compliance just mm-hmm. as a user. I, it's like with the aura ring, my sleep is dramatically improved, not because the ring makes you sleep better, but because I'm trying to beat my record. <laughs> it's like I get up, the first thing I do is I check my juve and I'm like, oh, God damn it. I got a 76. All right, tonight I'm going to crush that and go to bed earlier and supplement right and do whatever right so that I can beat that. So it's a, it's a way to gamify some of these practices. So I like that, that I can see, oh man, I'm killing it. I've I've juved twice a day for the past seven days. It's amazing. It makes it easier to discipline and habituate some of those things. Right, no doubt. Yeah, and then what's the deal with the... Um, so also you have a timer in it now too. Mm-hmm. 
So it'll just shut off after your session or whatever. Yep, yep. You can just control, you know, you can, if I, if you want to do for 10 minutes, yeah. just, you know, go use 10 minutes on the, the built-in control. I usually do, I usually do about five minutes the front of the body and five minutes the back. That's, is 10 minutes a day a good dose or am I, did I just make that up? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's solid with, it, with the type of power output that you're, you know, that, that that's delivered. That's a, yeah. that's a solid dose for, okay, you know, okay, cool. Especially since you're doing it twice a day. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on the, I mean, definitely do it once a day because it's just built into my morning routine. The second one, sometimes the second one, and that leads me into my next question is about, you know, timing that would be most in accordance with, I guess, the spectrums of light. And I have a feeling what the answer is, but it is the, the second one. If I don't get it right around dusk, then I don't like to do it. Because if I do it at like 10 o'clock, I might get sort of hyped. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it energizes me a bit. And not that I, I wouldn't say it interferes with sleep, but I don't like to do anything that's stimulating at all uh, late yeah. at night. And that is my next question. So I, I think I might have emailed you, Scott, at one point, And I was like, when am I supposed to use this thing? And mm-hmm. I believe that you indicated ideally around sunrise and sunset in a perfect world. Right. Exactly. Why is that? Yeah. I mean, when you, we sort of touched on this a little bit earlier yeah. in that our, our biological systems have, have evolved um, to sort of uh, maximize uh, or take advantage of, of those, those wavelengths uh, in the natural sunrise and sunset. And there's a higher prevalence of red and near-infrared wavelengths in, during the sunrise and sunset. And so ideally, that's, those are probably the optimal times. But my short answer to that question is, when, when should I, you know, juve? It, it just do it anytime during Whenever, the day. Just try, yeah. yeah, just try to get it in. But if you really yeah. want to, if you really want to biohack and optimize, those are probably the best times. You know, either yeah. in, either in the morning or in the in the evening, or maybe both. Right. Yeah. I was it, I was halfway joking asking uh, Justin about his kids doing. I mean, do, do do kids like the red light? I mean, do they gravitate toward it, or is it something you're like, okay, time to brush your teeth and do your red light? I mean, is it a, do, do they are they into it or not? Uh, some of them are definitely. So yeah. our our youngest uh, daughter is is five now and. You know, it's it's to the point now where like if she gets an owie or something like I need to do red light. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice! nice. <laughs> so yeah, she knows yeah. that you know it's gonna that help it. So yeah, yeah. No, I'd say in general they they like it. I mean, even our our teenagers use it, you know, regularly. So That's you know, cool. my oldest son I mentioned earlier that you know has uh, sensitivity to to EMFs. I mean, he's uh, you know he uses it faithfully and and really enjoys it. So. Yeah, no, I I think it's uh, it kind of maybe depends on their interest in sure. their overall health to some extent. Sure. But I mean, I would say that most people, kids included, you know, feel something, you know, some sort of a benefit from it and uh, brings them back. You know, it's interesting. Even like, like Rob Wolf and his wife, they noticed the benefits most with their kids initially. Right? Their oh, kids wow. actually were using it, and they're like, "Wow, I mean, this is they kind of you know the issues like getting to sleep at night," and they're like, that, that's that was the biggest change they noticed is their kids were like falling asleep faster, you wow. know, at night. So yeah, there's there's definitely. Yeah. Well, I've noticed that, and I don't know if it's just because she likes to hang out wherever I am. But if I sneak out of one of you know these rooms here that we're in and go into my office uh, man cave and throw on the red light, Cookie will come and sit right next to me. Uh, when I'm doing the red light, she just stares right up at it. So she <laughs> likes that field. What the dog really likes is the freaking sauna. Uh. I can't get in the sauna. She'll come beg to come in the sauna, in the clear light sauna. It's crazy. Yeah, at first I was a little nervous. I'm like, am I going to kill my dog? I know that hot cars will kill your dog, but I let her in, you know, incrementally. And she's up to about 10 minutes on the floor where there's some airflow still under the door there. But she right. she freaking loves it. So I think animals... Oh, that's funny. I think animals intuitively like those warm, cozy wavelengths of light and heat, it mm-hmm. seems, too. And that brings me to the next thing, which is, 
a question I get all the time in my Facebook group, by the way, of those of you listening to this podcast, we have an amazing private Facebook group called the Lifestylist Podcast. You can request to join and we'll let you in there and you can join the conversation and you can ask questions like this and uh, and and our, our other members will answer or I will do my best to answer. One I get a lot in that group specifically is, Luke, I'm thinking about getting the Juve or the Clear Light sauna. Which should I get? And I'm always like, God, it's such an annoying question because they're totally different things. They have different goals, different mechanisms of action. So how would you, I mean, not which one should I buy? Obviously, you're getting paid if someone buys a Juve. But um, what's the difference between someone taking an infrared sauna, like my Clear Light is full spectrum, so it has near, far, and mid. Yep. Uh, but what are the benefits or the different mechanisms of action between doing red light therapy and sauna therapy? Yeah, no, that's a, a common question. In fact, we have an article on our website that kind of goes into a little bit of the the science behind. I've the, sent the, people the, there. The, I think yeah, <laughs> the two yeah, different. I'm like, not again. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just look at them. They look different. It's not the same thing. Which one should you buy? I don't know. No. Yeah, no. It really comes down to, I guess, what your specific health goals are. But from breaking it down from from a scientific standpoint, uh, saunas is is obviously a heat based uh, therapy. So you're using specific wavelengths of of light to heat tissue and you're inducing heat shock proteins uh your cardio cardiovascular system is involved uh has basically produces a response very similar to cardiovascular exercise most of the clinical research uh is really centered around that so around the differences the benefits around your cardiovascular system um and there's there's other things that people notice that they you know see from in their own um experience, but I would say most of the research is really focused around the cardiovascular system, where is photobiomodulation or light therapy, we're using a much narrower band of frequency of, of light uh, at a higher intensity, just at a, you know, at a specific wavelength or a couple of wavelengths to help restore healthy cellular function. So you know, if you're looking for something like muscle recovery, reducing joint pain, while there's certainly some some interesting studies on that from uh, sauna, I would argue that there's more clinical data uh, for light therapy for something like that. If you're looking for something to enhance your cardiovascular system, then I would lean towards a sauna, which, by the way, we do have a sauna and, and, and use that as well. So we're certainly not anti-sauna. Yeah, yeah. I gathered that when, I, when I've reached out to you guys with inquiries about that. And another thing I think, you know, as far as the sauna, that this is one of the answers I give people is one of the primary uh, uses is for detoxing. I mean, obviously just for sweating your ass off and getting toxins out of your body, which is not part of the red light experience, you know? Exactly. I mean, it's warm and you might, you get a little heated standing. I stand, what's the, should I be three inches away, by the way? I stand really close to it. I'm always like, I think that's it, but. I get pretty warm, but you're yeah. definitely not sweating and detoxing, you know? Sure. Yeah. No, it's you're three, you're totally fine. Three and inches yeah, about, we, right? Uh, yeah. If you were to, our kind of rule of thumb that we recommend yeah. is, is basically roughly six inches for like a, about a 10 minute treatment. So oh, okay, cool. you're totally fine at three. I mean, my wife and I tend to be a little bit closer than, than, the, than the six too, but it's... right. Yeah, don't don't get uh, don't stress out that you're uh, losing the effect if you worry too much about how this, how far away you are. Okay, <laughs> and, that's and, cool. well, and one of the analogies I'll, I'll use because we get that question all the time: saunas yeah. versus. And both therapies are great. I mean, that's our that's our default response. Yeah. They're just like you said earlier; they're just different. It's kind of like you talk to a bodybuilder and, and and a marathon runner, right? They train completely different. Like they're like yeah. the bodybuilder is not going to be like doing heavy dead heavy deadlifts or squats, and then 
going out and running a marathon at the same time. You know, it's just, yeah. it, it's just completely different ways to train. And so that's sort of what's happening with light therapy and like heat-based therapy or sauna-based therapy. They're just, they're just very, they have very distinct mechanisms of action that just are completely different. And so whether or not you can use them at the same time, I mean, who, who knows? There's no clinical evidence that supports that, you know, that, that idea of, of using both at the same time. I would argue probably from a hypothetical standpoint, you probably should use them different differently right yeah because um, yeah. one is inducing stress the other one is you know is is completely different right so right. intentionally in, inducing stress in, a good, in yeah. a good way so yeah they're just they're just different and um you know to, to piggyback off your other comment about like how far do i stand away from mm-hmm. you know a, a device like ours it really boils down to like the the power density that's delivered from the device not in the term of not in the form of wattage because some people mm-hmm. get that mixed up like What's the wattage output? You know, oh, well, okay. well, it's like a heat, uh, like an infrared heat lamp, right? A 250 watt heat lamp. That's a lot of wattage. That's mm-hmm. a lot of wattage consumed, but the the power density is actually very, very low. So it's not, they're not really ideal for the purposes right, of light therapy, right. but, but yeah. So like it, with any light therapy device, the farther you are away from it, the less sort of dose of energy you're, you're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people just, they kind of, we'll get, we'll get this all the time, like emails. So like, how, what's my exact dosage from, from, from the device? You know, or I, I'm using a, DIY irradiance meter that I bought for 200 bucks off Amazon. And I, my, my power density shows this, where it's like, well, what, what tissue are you, what tissue type are you treating? How far away are you from it? Like, just because you held the little $200 meter in front of the device doesn't necessarily, it's not a good, I, that's not a good way to measure. That's not how you, that's, right. not, how we, that's not how devices are built. You don't, you don't submit a, you don't submit your device to FDA and they say, well, what, you know, did you use the Amazon meter? You know what I mean? So it's just kind of funny. So like, there's a lot of things that go into right. it, but generally speaking, because the power, because of the power density of our devices, like three to six inches away is a good, is a good distance, right. you know, and five to 10 minutes is a good amount of time. Well, when I first got, uh, the juve, I already had my clear lights on it. And my initial idea, just because I always like to stack modalities mm-hmm. just in the essence of, uh, time conservation, really was to put the juve inside the sauna. And I believe I reached out to you guys and you're like, yeah, you could go for it. But then the reason, well, a couple of reasons I didn't, I don't want to fry it and like burn out the juve in that heat, which sounded possible. The other thing was I didn't feel like I could get close enough. If I, mm. you know, if I stood the juve up like in front of me, I'm going to be a good 15, 18 inches away from it. And I was like, nope, not close enough. I want to maximize. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, have my face pressed up against it and other parts of my body that protrude from my midsection as well. That's why I always tell my friends, like, you can stand in front of my Jew, but I wouldn't touch it because I probably have. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's why I didn't, you know, I didn't elect to try and stack them. It just didn't seem compatible just in terms yeah. of the physics of it. But, uh, what I like to do is um, take a sauna and then, no, I'm sorry, the other way around. I like to do my juve and get kind of warmed up from the red light, then take a sauna. So it's a good it's a good precursor to the sauna. Does that make sense in yeah. terms of the order of them or does it matter? I, I think so. I mean, it's it's interesting because it, it, the, it kind of boils down to, you know, could you run and eat a salad at the same time? Well, probably could do it, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. So I think the important thing is you're basically giving energy to your cells, whether you do it before or after. Uh, it's actually quite uh, interesting because you know you mentioned uh, heliotherapy and and sunlight, and you know unfortunately what m- most people do with uh, sun is they'll basically be in- indoors all the time, and then come Saturday afternoon at one o'clock when it's like peak uh, UV. 
then they're out there totally unco- you know, uncovered getting all this UV wavelengths that is certainly beneficial and your body can harness it in the right conditions, but your body hasn't been prepped in the morning receiving the red wavelengths or in the evening helping to repair with the red wavelengths. So both of which have been have been shown to have those effects. So uh, similar with the sauna, I think I think either doing it before or after is, is a great idea. Dude, that's a really good point. You know, at the talk I did last night at Next Health, I was just singing the praises of sun exposure on your body and telling people like anyone I believe can safely get sun exposure by incrementally, mm-hmm. you know, working your way up. But I didn't think about that, that that's true. Most people that get sunburned, say I'm picturing someone on vacation, you know, someone from the Midwest goes to the Bahamas <laughs> and doesn't put their sunscreen on and they get totally fried, right? That's because they haven't been working their way up and acclimating to the sunlight. So I'm sensing we could use red light therapy even, not only so as I use it to prep for the sauna, but it makes sense to me that you could use the red light therapy to prep your sun exposure, do a session of red light even before you go out into the sun yep. as a preliminary adaptation. Does that make sense? It, it does. And there's there's some interesting studies demonstrating that as well, as well as doing red and near-infrared uh, afterwards. So as any of any of us have probably happened at some point or another in Southern California, I mean, as, as much sunlight as we as we try to get, uh, you know, occasionally get uh, get a little bit of a sunburn and actually uh, it's uh, the photobiomodulation or light therapy is quite effective at helping to restore the skin tissues after they've been stressed. Oh, from no UV kidding. Light. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense because we're going to get into uh, skin health and wound recovery and things like that. So essentially you're, you're stressing your skin, your largest organ, if you go out in the sun unprepared and you get burned because your skin's not acclimated to that. So in a sense, you've been burned, just like if I burned my hand on the stove, I could use red light therapy or red laser therapy to speed heal that skin because of the collagen production, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Oh, cool. So I think red light therapy then would be very useful for someone like myself who's a sun worshiper and especially someone who's fair-skinned. I mean, you're you're almost like ginger here. Yeah. <laughs> you're pretty, not almost. Both of you guys not are pretty a, fair. Not almost. I'm full-on you're ginger. You're full-on yeah. ginger? I mean, so when you guys are talking about skin burns, I had no idea what you're talking about. I've you know, never, never experienced that Well, you know, it's funny. I, d- I didn't even think about that. I just kind of noticed that you're a bit of a redhead because you're pretty tan. Yeah, well, it's, you know, I mean, I, I I I like the sun too, you know. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I try to try <laughs> yeah. to get get my my fair share of exposure, but but I, yeah, I mean, there's times when I'm because like, when you think about when people get burned, it's like, well, they went to the beach during when the sun is like emitting the most UV light, you know what I mean? And so, right. of course, if you spend too much time and you haven't been out in the sun at all, and haven't been acclimated as you mentioned before, Luke. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you're gonna like you're gonna burn tissue. You're you're your 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 skin is responding to that stress right um and so that the burn is a is a is a symptom of that so um but but red and infrared light is great is a great healer of any damaged tissue especially especially burns so when we get out in the sun and we get that great uva and uvb combo and all of these other spectrums of light it helps our body to produce vitamin d and specifically vitamin d sulfate the water soluble version of vitamin d which your body can really use versus a supplemental vitamin D that comes from sheep oil from sheepskins <laughs> called lanolin. There's a few different sources of it. Is there any data to support that 
red light therapy helps with vitamin D at all, because I know there are applications for increasing hormone production, which I want to get into. But before that, vitamin D technically is a hormone, not even a vitamin. Does that, is there any correlation there like there is with sunlight? Not in the same way that certainly that you would get vitamin D from the UVA and UVB spectrums, as you mentioned. I, I, it would be very interesting to see a study conducted just from the systematic changes going on in the body. You mentioned the lymphatic system, you know, all these processes, your hormone production, all these things that we know are affected by red and near-infrared light. Does that have some downstream effect to your, to your body's ability to harness UV wavelengths to produce vitamin D? I suspect it probably does. Right, but we couldn't use red light therapy solely as a as an intervention to up our vitamin D production. Exactly, at, that we know of. Correct, because you can use uh, tanning beds to boost your uh, vitamin D production if you live somewhere where there's no sun. Yep. Uh, okay, and let's now talk about the benefits to hormone production, because this is one of the anecdotal benefits that I've received that was just mind-blowing. Uh, I got my testosterone tested, uh, I think, in uh, God, some years ago, I think 2010, then maybe 2012 again, and I was in the low 400s, not doing so great. I mean, I know some guys that are worse, but at that point, I would have been in my late 30s, or no, uh, no, early 40s, rather. I would say American standard average, but not optimal, not where I want to be. I want to be superhuman X-Men level, like biohacker <laughs> at the time. And I didn't know how to raise it. I was just, I, what do you do? I mean, you work out, I guess you hang around more dudes. Like there's, way, <laughs> there's ways you can meditate more, be more stoic. I mean, there's ways you can sort of hack your testosterone. Uh, and then I didn't test for a number of years. Unfortunately, I didn't do a pre-test before I started using red light therapy. But after a few months, I got my hormones tested again because I just got into my partially health functional medicine. I got, uh, my testosterone was like 870. I was like, what the hell? And I think I emailed you, Scott. I was like, "Uh, does this have anything to do with this damn light you guys told me that I'm standing in front of? And you're like, yeah, hello, there's clinical studies. We told you that. That's why we advertise it as one of the benefits. It's legit. I was like, holy shit. And then I did another test a few months later and I was in the 600s. And that was confusing to my doctor because they're like, I don't know how it could have fluctuated that much, whatever. But then weirdly enough, I just tested again recently and I was down to like 575 or something. So I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if hormones just fluctuate that much from month to month in general anyway, and it depends what day you tested, but they're definitely higher than they've ever been, even though I'm much older than when I tested there, you know, back in the early, uh, you know, 2010 and 11. So what's the deal with the testosterone production? Because- so many guys I know have low T and so many women have low T and don't realize that women also need healthy testosterone levels. It's not just a male hormone. Yeah. No, I think there's, there's a couple of things going on there. You re- referred to uh, some of the, the science that Scott had, had uh, talked to uh, you about originally about the uh, testosterone production. But I think at a fundamental level, we're affecting your entire body's uh, hormone production. So you have your, your thyroid glands are being exposed to the light. Uh, you're taking light in through your eyes, going directly to the hypothalamus, which basically controls virtually all of your body systems. So there's, I think, some systematic things that are affecting your body's ability to regulate your hormone hormone production overall. 
And then there's also some interesting things that have been shown uh, for doing the therapy directly actually on the testes and, and some of the resulting effects that that can have. Yeah, and you're not alone. I mean, we, we get anecdotally, we have a lot of people that comment about like their before and after testosterone results, both both total testosterone as well as free testosterone. You know, one guy in particular, a practitioner in, um, in Scottsdale, Arizona, Dr. John Toma, great guy, like the epitome of health. Like the guy's like 6'3", you know, jacked, um, does everything right. Like doesn't use any light at all at night, turns off his whole power, everything's hardwired. Like the guy does everything. But um, he was explaining to this, uh, explained to us like a month ago that he had, like the only thing that like historically he's always suffered from was was low testosterone, right? He grew up in um, in the Midwest, now lives in in in, in the Southwest, but now he's he's uh, specifically does more outside, so he gets more natural sun exposure, and then uses red and near infrared light, our, our devices on a on a daily basis, sometimes multiple multiple uh, times per day, and he saw he saw the same type of results. He went from like the low three hundreds. Three months later, it was up in the his to, his total testosterone was like I think it was in the high seven hundreds, and then three months later, so six months total from start to finish, it was like in the I think in the twelve hundreds, I believe something like that. And he's seen some fluctuation. Um, like it's not always that high, mm-hmm. um, but it, I mean it's it's. It's it's clear that you know you're getting you know whether it's whether it's targeted you know with your Leydig cells and your testes or as Justin mentioned like that systemic benefit it's hard to it's hard to truly determine that's never really been you know studied to, to a great extent like other areas have been you know with respect to like muscle recovery and joint pain and whatnot but um but yeah there's 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 clearly some some hormonal uh, benefits to to you know exposing your entire body to these wavelengths of light. Well, I remember hearing years ago about the fact, and this is not a theory, but a fact uh, that comes from someone scientific that by getting your testes, as you referred to them, (laughs) such a funny word. By getting, you don't use that? Uh-huh. No. By, yeah. by getting your uh, your nards out into uh, in and not in, uh, the red light there, but into the sun, like naked nude sunbathing for men increases your testosterone. And I yeah. heard that, and I was like, amazing. So I started doing that. So I was doing that for a number of years too, especially when I lived in a house that had you know a private area in which to do that. But it's probably now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably because of those spectrum of light that are inherent to the sun, mm-hmm. right? It's yep. not the UV probably doing that, but it's these red spectrums that we're now seeing have these cascades of hormonal um, production. Mm-hmm. So, wow, that's cool stuff. Um, and I was going to ask too about, about the nudity and you know the close proximity of said testes to the red light. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just interesting because when you're, when you're standing in front of a red light device, you know the the bulbs, the LED bulbs that are the near infrared are dark, and because it's not within the visible spectrum, so it looks like they're not on. You're like, what's wrong with this thing? You know, <laughs> tapping it, like turn turn on those things. But I'll find myself sometimes standing in front of it, and the little dots of the 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 diodes for the LED or the bulbs are about the size of a quarter, so they're you know relative to the testes <laughs> and I, I find myself i mean depending on you know how god created you but i'll be standing in front of it and if if it's one of the ones that is the near inf- or the near infrared that looks out i'll be positioning myself so that one of the real the lit up red ones is hitting me in the right spot if you know what i'm saying not to create a gross visual for listeners but um it probably doesn't matter i'm sure i just I, now eventually i think i just stand there as long as i'm fairly close to this thing and it's turned on and i'm naked i'm getting benefits <laughs> But it's so weird to me that you're, that part of your body, your your sexual organs, have photoreceptors on them, 
And when light hits them, it goes through your skin and tells that part of your body to start producing different compounds. It's just mm-hmm. fascinating. Yeah, there's so, no doubt. Interesting science for sure. It's the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did God create us like that? <laughs> and then beyond that, just the way my brain works, and I've talked about this with sun exposure too, and just I'm such a proponent of that, done safely, of course. I have this pet theory that when you go on vacation, this is why so much sex happens. Because you're going somewhere tropical, you're near bodies of water, you're grounded, you're electrically grounded, and everyone's in the sun. <laughs> I think sun makes you horny because it's having that effect on your hormones. Anyway, yeah. that's my theory. I get really excited when I talk about that, as you can see. <laughs> uh, so that's what's up. Uh, what about the what about the effect on on joint health? As someone who's suffered a lot from uh, back pain over the course of my adult life. Why would red light therapy help your joints? Yeah, I mean, it boils down to the same cellular processes that we were talking about earlier. In fact, our our new devices are actually FDA cleared uh, to reduce joint pain. Really? Uh, related so you to can our, claim that? We can. Damn, so, good for so you. Yeah, uh, that's uh, you probably have some <laughs> some appreciation. That's not a that's no small feat to. Oh my <laughs> go through god! That yeah. Well, I interview people all the time <laughs> that come up with these cool things, and before we start recording, they're like. Yeah, by the way, I can't talk about anything that my thing does. And I'm like, uh, what are we going to talk about, dude? Like, talk about basketball? Like, well, I'm at a loss here. I've, we have to be able to talk. I've learned how to dance around it. I right. understand the FDA games now, uh, you know, the, the censorship uh, of our, our language in that regard. And, you know, there's a reason for it, too. Anyone yep. can come up with some snake oil and right. produce something that's potentially harmful to people or just swindle them out of their hard earned cash. So I appreciate that. But, it is difficult to help explain the benefits of something when you can't say that. So mm-hmm. congratulations on breaking that firewall of FDA <laughs> approval for joint pain. So how does it work exactly? Basically, the same same sort of mechanism of action that Scott was referencing earlier. So it boils down to your cells. And if, you're, if your cells are healthy, they're able to produce... Uh, ATP, they're able to do the perform their natural functions, whether it's the the ligaments, the joints, uh, the tissues that surround the joints. All those things, all those uh, different types of tissue are affected, especially by the the near infrared wavelength that that uh, is effective at reaching uh, those those deeper tissues. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and you get that. You get these like primary primary. Um, you know, benefits like the production of of ATP, but there's also these secondary factors too, like your these these wavelengths of light have been shown to enhance gene transcription. Uh, they, you know, your cells produce more cytokines, so so your actually your immune system and then functions better, becomes more phagocytic, and so like there's all these secondary markers too with these wavelengths of light, but it all kind of boils down to that primary that primary benefit. Your your mitochondria are producing more uh, cellular energy, more ATP. Interesting. So it's more the benefit there in terms of joint pain, uh, and I'm assuming this would be muscle recovery too, is I'm picturing like, cool, if the light's pointed on my elbow, it's healing my elbow, but it's more systemic in a sense then, than like the light going in and fixing that particular part of you know that specific joint. Yeah. Well, I mean, targeted therapy, like like if you just if you're just targeting you know a sore elbow, like golfer's elbow or tennis elbow, that will work. So both. Yeah. So both. But okay. like, I would argue that you you're probably getting it's probably better if you're getting full body exposure too, just because you do get right. that systemic effect. You know, if you, even if you think about just using red light on your skin, your skin's the largest you know our, our, the largest organ of our body. And it's, you know, you have a bunch of your, your microcirculatory system, you know, runs throughout all of your skin. 
and that those those wavelengths irradiate your your blood, so you're, you're getting that systemic benefit through entire vascular system. Right, right. Because essentially, like if I'm using my cold laser or I'm using you know more targeted red light therapy on a part of my body, let's just say tennis elbow, mm-hmm. then really what we're doing is we're we're bringing more energy into that area locally, mm-hmm. right? But if you have more systemic and energy available, you have just electrons firing throughout the system of your body then not only are you bringing those to a specific localized area, but there's just more raw energy to deal with to bring in there. Yep, exactly. Wow, cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the cool Far things out. to go back, I mean, to go back to LED therapy is yeah. that uh, you, can, you can now treat like larger, larger areas, you know, with high-powered, you know, LEDs now, whereas, you know, the historical limitation with lasers amongst other things was that they, you know, you can get really specific with the wavelengths, and you can you can deliver a lot of energy, but you, it's very localized. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and you used to, you know, we have one little light. Yeah, exactly. I use this thing called a violet. It's mm. a little yep. clip that sticks a. Well, they have laser ones, and then they have LED ones. I think the one I have is LED. It's I think six hundred and ten nanometers, and you stick it up your nose, and it's a twenty minute treatment time, and it goes through your your nasal cavity because of course there's a hole in your skull where your nose is if you take that flesh off there's two freaking holes right there that go right into through your skull into your brain cavity and it shines this uh 610 uh, nanometer light onto your brain and there's cognitive benefits and things to that Mm -hmm. but again that's just one local piece uh do you anticipate that if I'm putting my whole face and head in front of a red light device with a bunch of lights that it's penetrating the skull and having the same effect? Yeah, definitely. In, in fact, uh, Dr. Michael Hamblin, that's actually his favorite uh, treatment to use uh, with the therapy is actually uh, treating his brain through uh, through his forehead, uh, to be specific. So for basically uh, a couple different reasons. One, because you have the easy access, so you don't have hair that's absorbing some of the energy uh, but also you have the, the frontal lobe and all these different processes that are in this area of the brain that's interesting as well. So yeah, you, you can definitely, there's, there's multiple approaches to, to treat that, those tissues. But yeah, with, with a full a panel, you're basically using a much higher intensity of light uh, and able to actually uh, penetrate through tissue, including bone. Cool, including your skull. Uh, that's the thing um, I don't think a lot of people realize. I'm just, it's so hard for me when people have their cell phone up to their head. <laughs> I'm always like, God, that's so hard for me not to be like codependent <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> like, do you know that's bad for you? It's none of your business, Luke. Shut up. They didn't ask for your advice. But anytime I see someone doing that, I'm like, you have no idea how thin your skull is. We think, you know, oh, I could put something up again, radiation against my head. It's made of bone and my brain's protected. Dude, your brain is not protected <laughs> from things like radiation or thankfully red light. So it right. can get through the forehead. Uh, what I do oftentimes is I kind of like do little head maneuvers where I'm I'm blasting the top of my head and just kind of all over too. But I didn't think about the fact that the hair is absorbing some of that uh, sort of that energy on the way in too. Yeah, it definitely uh, would would uh, some of it. Although it's interesting, there's the I, I can't remember this the study, but there's actually been some indications that uh, the top of the uh, skull actually has an access point for. That where basically photoreceptors specifically that affect uh, 
your hormone production, all these other things that are directly related to your hypothalamus. So that's wow. it's, a, it's a very intuitive treatment that you're doing there. That's cool. <laughs> well, I think for me, it was just, that's the top chakra, you know? <laughs> so I was like, man, I'm going to put red light in my chakras. <laughs> Kundalini awakening, dude. So but some, a lot of my wacky woo-woo stuff, though, later on, I find out, I'll talk to a scientist like, no, that makes perfect sense. Right. Like when I interviewed Jack Cruz and I was like, all right, I do this weird thing. I go up to the mountains and I get my own spring water out of a rock. And that's the only water I drink. He was like, that's the most scientifically viable thing you could ever do if you want to drink water. I was like, yes, <laughs> screw you, knew it all along. logical, yeah. skeptic people. <laughs> a nerd just proved it. So what about hair loss? I've seen these devices where it's this helmet that you put on full of LED bulbs. And I'm thinking... A, it's probably horrendous amount of EMF right on your brain. <laughs> Not into that. B, uh, I think I can do that by just leaning over into my Juve device and rotating my head around a few times as I'm sitting there for 10 minutes. Is there any efficacy to the idea of reversing or preventing hair loss? Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of clinical evidence. In fact, a lot of the studies that have been published on hair regrowth are actually really well-structured. Really well, really well done studies, and so there's absolutely evidence that red wavelengths, actually in particular, have been shown to uh, to enhance hair growth uh, for sure. Um, and, and yeah, you mentioned it. There's a couple of different helmet kind of type devices that are on the market. I'm, we've never, I've never personally used one or, or tested one for EMFs, or um, I'm not entirely sure what type of power is is delivered through those. But yeah, with with our devices, you could um, you could do the uh, you could you know sort of accomplish the same thing just by simply you know tilting your head down in front of it. Um, you know, in fact, some people will use our smaller devices on like a tabletop, especially now that we have like a little tabletop stand with it and they'll set it on like their, their end table of their bed. And then they'll just kind of lay down on their bed and, and put their, you know, put their, 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 the top of their head at the top of their scalp. <laughs> I, just had, of the device. I just had an idea like, like, uh, duct taping one to the headboard, you know, just <laughs> sleeping with it, just blasting on my head. So I never no, go bald. I, I, my hair is a little bit thin on top, you know, and I'm like, I could handle anything, but man, I don't know if my ego could handle just losing all the hair. <laughs> I'm still kind of attached to that one. And keep, keep juvin. And I hope so, dude. I hope so. <laughs> and then what about, I guess this kind of goes into the same thing with the, um, the, the joint, you know, health and joint recovery, but what about just actual injuries and cuts and wounds and things like that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things going on there. Uh, you've discussed the topic of easy water, uh, for example, and it's, I think, the things that are really, really interesting that are yet to be really brought to the mainstream is the relationship that our bodies have with light and water. And these 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 processes oh, yeah. work, uh, you know, are tied together very uh, connectedly. So if you have, uh, there's even some pretty powerful studies showing that if you irradiate uh, blood tissue with uh, light, uh, you'll actually increase the the cardiovascular function, the the blood flow in that area. Uh, and a lot of the same studies uh, are explained in more detail with the study of, of easy water. So uh, for those of you that haven't read it, uh, Dr. Gerald Pollack's uh, book, on the topic is is pretty fascinating. Fourth and, phase of water. Yep, yeah, the fourth phase of water. Thank you. So, you know, in that book, they they show uh, studies and scientific tests where they have a naphion tube and they have water and all of a sudden you're shining light on it and it causes the water to go through the tube. So it's basically a, wow, really? a hydro, yes, hydrophilic surface. And That's so sick. some of the things he discusses in that book is really cool because 
science really hasn't been able to explain the way that our bodies move blood. And the the traditional thinking many years ago, and maybe even somewhat more recently, was that it was the pressure from the heart that's pumping this blood you know, through these tissues. That's what I always thought. But what they found is that in many cases, the capillaries are actually smaller diameter than, than the blood cells that are flowing through them. And it cannot be, they've done uh, pressure tests during, you know, over across different areas of of these blood flow. And they're basically showing that there's not a pressure drop there. So it's something other than pressure that's causing the blood to do this. And there's very strong evidence uh, from folks like Dr. Gerald Pollack that that show that light, not only from outside our body, but also the the infrared light that our bodies actually generate uh, that are actually driving these processes. Whoa. I just had a biblical epiphany. Let there be light. <laughs> <laughs> but just to add to that, I mean, by the time this goes this goes live, you'll have you'll have prob- probably published your or uh, or pushed your your interview with the, the folks from Signature Health. I will. You know? I, was, then, I wanted to get to that the deuterium stuff. Yeah, yeah this will, this will be coming on the heels of that episode. Yeah, yeah and this there, you know, one of their theories is that you know, these wavelengths of light actually change the viscosity of water, you know, in your cells and actually help your nanomotors spin faster, right? Oh, um, man. You know, during that, during the, you know, through the electron uh, transport chain. And so, yeah, so that, I mean, that that hasn't really been studied extensively, but, you know, those guys are leading the way when it comes to deuterium research. And that's their, that's their, their, their theory as to why these wavelengths, these wavelengths of light are, are so key to, deuterium depletion which is really it's i mean it's fascinating stuff for that sure, is because you know i remember talking to jack cruz about uh the whole exclusion zone or easy water the fourth phase of water thing and how it relates to light and how it relates to uh infrared saunas and he explained to me he said yeah dude your body is making exclusion zone water when it's exposed to that light very interesting and and then interviewing and what we're referring to guys is uh I don't have the episode number in front of me because at the time of this recording, it's not out yet, but there will be an episode all about deuterium that will have been published in the last few weeks. So please go back and listen to that. It's a three and a half hour, like it's the longest, deepest dive I've ever done because I think it's one of the most important health and medical discoveries of our time, literally. And it's all related to the water in our body and that our body actually produces water, right? It produces, produces this metabolic or deuterium depleted water. And uh, I guess the light, as you're saying, is part of that process. Mm-hmm. Which, exactly. You know, because part of the deuterium depleted uh, depletion program is red light therapy mm-hmm. and also sun exposure mm-hmm. and um, cold thermogenesis and all these other things that, again, would be inherent to our natural life but since we've become so far removed from our natural environment and we're living indoors, we don't get light, we have EMFs, we never get cold, we're always at 68 degrees, we never get that hot like we do in a sauna. We have to sort of, I guess, um, implement some of these interventions that, again, to me, it's always mimicking nature and amplifying nature because we're so far removed. Mm-hmm. But that's a fascinating factoid that the uh, the easy water and then the deuterium depleted water. I wonder if those are the same thing in your body. I have to look into that. I have a feeling they're not, but it's just <laughs> weird that your body actually manufactures water out of fat. That's where mm-hmm. it comes from, and that the light helps do that. Sure, yeah, trippy shit. What about? Uh, and I think I'm. I've just got a couple more questions here. And we'll wrap it up. What about the effect on mood? you know, neurotransmitters. So we covered hormones, but I feel very elevated 
when I'm out in the sun, I feel very elevated when I do red light therapy, when I do infrared sauna, where again, I'm being exposed to these invisible frequencies of light. Uh, and in, in my clear light sauna, they have something they call chromotherapy, which is this little LED panel that you can change the colors. I just keep mine on red all the time because that's, <laughs> that's the only spectrum I don't ever want blue light or whatever. But uh, how does light affect our mood? No, I think that's a that's a great uh, thing that most people are familiar with that in some extent, in some sense. I mean, I, I referenced the fact of when we're going back to uh, the Midwest in the middle of winter after having been out here in Southern California, it's just like, you, you, it's like a gut punch. <laughs> three, we had literally three straight weeks. We didn't see sun. It was just like gloomy. And it's no wonder that you have a very real you know, condition or basically being deprived of light. So it's not a, it's not a shock that, that, that it plays an incredible role. And it's interesting because everybody is a little bit different. So you mentioned that if you do light therapy right before bed, it kind of like heightens your, uh, your senses and maybe just kind of amps you up a little bit, so to speak. For some people, myself included, I mean, it does it the total opposite. It just like de-stresses me, knocks me out and like puts me to sleep. So it's, it's interesting how different people's bodies respond. So kind of going back to that uh, a little bit, it's just, you know, it's great to basically adjust uh, the therapy to what fits you in, in what you find works best for you. But yeah, it's definitely something that uh, is a common thing that many people don't think about when they first try the therapy, but uh, is a very real uh, benefit. And it's, it's sort of hard to measure that out in a clinical study, right? Mood. Because, you know, it's, yeah, it's, all, yeah. it's, quali- it's very qualitative. Talk about placebo. Yeah, yeah exactly. Are yeah. you in a good mood? Yeah, yeah, I'm in a good mood. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. Exactly. On a scale. Are you, in, over, a, yeah. are yeah. you in a good mood? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Nope. Define good. Nope. <laughs> right. Yeah, but but it's 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 um yeah it's, it's sort of hard to, to, you know, to quantify in a clinical study, but it's definitely one of the most sort of consistent uh, some of the most consistent feedback we get with our devices in particular is like, you know, someone someone purchases a, a device for joint pain, right? But one of the the byproducts of using the therapy on a consistent basis is just better mood, you know, better cognitive function. They feel better, you know, and that's, again, it kind of may sound a little bit woo-woo, but that's just one of the the nice sort of like secondary benefits to, you know, to exposing all of your body to, you know, these these wavelengths of light is just an elevated, you know, an elevated sense of, you know, mental state. I wonder if there are any studies about red light and seasonal affective disorder. There you know definitely are. Yeah. There are? Yeah. Because, you know, they use blue light devices mm-hmm. in, in Scandinavian stuff, these little blue panels you stare right. at to pretend like you're in the sun and it increases your serotonin production and things like that, right? Because right. when you're cut off and, you know, these countries typically have high uh, levels of alcoholism and suicide and things like that because people aren't getting light. Mm-hmm. So is there any of that for red light? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's arguably more more clinical evidence for bright light for, for SAD or for mm-hmm. seasonal affective disorder, but um, there's definitely a handful of, of published studies that suggest or that, that demonstrate, I should say, that red and near-infrared light uh, um, can, can help reduce those symptoms, you know, of, of seasonal affective disorder. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because, again, going back to the beginning of the conversation, that's, uh, you know, what we're talking about essentially is just taking some of the sun. We're just stealing mm-hmm. sun and plugging it in a wall, basically. So right. if those uh, those bright or those white or blue light devices are effective for that, it would make sense if you took one of the other spectrums, such as red light, and amplified that, uh, you're going to be super happy too. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask, ask about was uh, the flicker rate of LED lighting. Um, you know, when we're in this modern world now, because of 
conservation of energy, we've developed fluorescent lights, we've developed LED lights, and this is cool lighting, not just in its, you know, the color temperature, but in the actual temperature to touch because it uses less energy, right? So if you have an old incandescent bulb, a lot of wattage necessary, a lot of expenditure of your um, utility power to, to create that light, LEDs, not so much, but the downside is they flicker. And maybe that's one of the reasons they produce less energy. So to the naked eye, we can't see these fluorescent lights that are lighting us for the video or your typical LED lights that are in your refrigerator, your bathroom, your kitchen, your bedroom, wherever, every big box store is full of them. We can't see with the naked eye, but in fact, they're turning on and off a zillion times a second or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And I've heard that with LED lighting, just inherent to their construction, it's impossible to not have them flicker. So with red light therapy, since it is LED light, if our eyes are open during the therapy, is our brain getting scrambled from the flicker effect? Great question. So backing up a step, I would argue that actually just about anything that you plug into an alternating current power supply is actually going to have some modulation of the energy. So even an incandescent bulb, just because it's hooked up to the wall and that is an AC current, an alternating current inherent to its stru- its structure or its nature is going to buzz to a certain degree. Exactly. Okay. Now, now w- with an incandescent bulb, because of the, the filament and it's it's basically lit up in and it's the actual temperature of the filament that's causing the light. Obviously, it's not totally cooling down as much as like an LED chip would. But even an LED chip, it's not like a true on-off cycle. We're talking about a, a wave. So uh, the studies that uh, we've referenced today, they're using continuous wave therapy, light therapy. So they're not actually intentionally doing a, a pulsed true on-off pulsed light. It's uh, there's a wave of of the light energy as it as it as it's hitting uh, your the photons are hit, uh, are hitting your tissue. So, in that setting, the clinical research has demonstrated that there certainly there is not uh, any negative effects from you know brain scrambling or anything along those lines. I just feel like when I walk in Target, which is rare because thank God Amazon, but uh, when I walk in Target, the minute I walk in a place that has LED lighting. I can't even say my name anymore. I just become immediately brain dead. And I'm looking at, I'm like, it has to be the lighting. It's not like the paint or something in here. It's the lighting. There's just this weird effect that artificial lighting has on my brain specifically. Yeah. And most of the time it's probably, it's probably the wavelengths that are emitted from those LEDs. Not necessarily the fact that they may, you know, they may be, you know, pulsing at certain frequencies. So less so the flicker and more so because it's that really heinous, narrow spectrum of blue light. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. And because the reality is like when you look at, at published literature, the, the gold standard is continuous wave light therapy, as, as Justin mentioned. But there's actually like a growing body of evidence for, uh, for pulsing light therapy, intentionally pulsing. So intentionally, you know, making your, your, your output flicker right, to generate a, a, a more profound health uh, effect or health benefit. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah because uh, the the red light bed that they have at Next Health, I don't know, I mentioned it earlier, I don't know who designs it, but it's, you know, this is like, if you have a clinic, you get one of these if you're well-heeled, I guess. But it was interesting because the different settings on it were the, the rate of flicker or mm-hmm. pulsing, essentially. That's mm-hmm. what you would set depending on what the desired outcome was rather than changing the wavelength of light based on the nanometers that you want from 
600 to 800 or whatever. I thought that was weird. I was like, huh? So it seems like people in light therapy are getting hit to also this pulsing and you can use it to your advantage then? Yeah, yeah. You can definitely use it to your advantage. I mean, like I said before, the the gold standard across the board is still continuous wave therapy. Um, There's no doubt. But um, but yeah, I mean, with, with pulsing, you can in essence deliver a significant, a more significant power density, you know, faster because ah, um, you're pulsing the, you're pulsing okay. the energies. It's, 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 it's on off. So um, it's kind of circle back around to this kind of this flicker effect. I think most people get that confused with the wavelength and the versus the, it's really more the wavelengths that are, that may be uh, deteriorate or, you know, it may cause like sort of downstream negative ramifications versus the actual frequency or and flicker. There certainly is a f- effects that you can see from frequency, specifically with uh, fluorescent tube lighting. A lot of times you can actually like visibly or, or just about visibly sense the the flicker of of that uh, that gas that's being <laughs> charged right. and stopped and then charged and stopped. Right. Uh, so there's, yeah, there's definitely uh, some effects there. But yeah, I, I would suspect the the bigger issue at play would be the the wavelengths in a lot of those cases and and really just boils down to economics so it's much cheaper to both make and power a bulb that's you know uh, 5000 kelvin or 5500 degrees kelvin which you know very heavily weighted to the blue spectrum just because the way the human eye sees light so the same power density of uh, blue light as red light, your your eye is going to recognize that uh, blue light as about ten times as powerful as the red. Just so it's oh, that's true. It's very interesting. In fact, this gets into a little bit of just the science of how do you how do you measure light. Uh, but actually, lumens are actually a measure. Uh, it's actually weight a weighted scale based on how the human eye recognizes light. So if you go to Home Depot or anywhere else like that to buy to purchase a light bulb, you'll see you can get you know so many lumens from this from this bulb. Sure. That scale is based on how your eyes actually recognize the light, which is heavily uh, sensitive to blue light. So it's it's kind of interesting because it's really uh, uh, based on the fact that it's cheaper to power uh, light bulbs and they're theoretically more efficient per lumen if they're heavily weighted towards the blue end of the spectrum. Wow. Wow. And that's why when you go into Home Depot, like there'll be that big row of lighting and I'm just like toxic, 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 toxic. <laughs> like, I can't find one freaking light bulb. That's because they're all manufactured and marketed toward conservation of energy, which yep. is a great idea. We all want to save the world. I don't throw my freaking gum wrappers on the sidewalk, but God right. damn it, at the expense of our health, <laughs> it's either going to be me or the earth. Yeah. <laughs> seem- I'll be I'll be live healthy and I'll be out of here. The earth will still have be here suffering from my burning of coil to make a yellow light bulb or whatever <laughs> but uh yeah it's, it's trippy when you think about that so what's the difference between kelvins and lumens uh so kelvins are de- are a measure of the uh temperature of the light so it's basically a way of, of scale Got of measuring it. the how much blue light you have in it so if you were go to look at a bulb that's say 5000 degrees kelvin or 6000 degrees kelvin it's going to be extremely blue weighted or blue heavy wavelengths ie you're getting cancer yeah, yeah. okay carry and, on. and fortunately uh it's become easier to get light bulbs that are actually more on the warm spectrum almost right. borderline candlelight so where you're right. you know 20 or 2000 degrees kelvin 2700 degrees kelvin where it's it has a I mean very similar look to like uh, candlelight, right? Um, Which yeah. you just described. You know, it's daytime in here now, and I have these 
blue fluorescent stage lights on. But at night, uh, I wonder what the Kelvins are, but it's all amber lighting in here. So I don't have to wear my freaking blue blockers around my own house. Yeah. So mm, that's interesting because then you get into the the blue light toxicity and the junk lighting. So uh, the most junk lighting would be the most blue. So the higher Kelvin would be the, the worst for us biologically because it's the most unnatural, narrow spectrum of light that would never exist in nature. Exactly. Whereas if we get down to 2000 Kelvin, that actually is more like natural daylight in a sense. Uh, especially in the morning and in the, in right. the evenings. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You get... And I, I forget the exact number, but you definitely get blue light during the, the especially during like some of the, the midday sun where you get yeah. it's a, a bright, you know, a bright, intense light. Yeah. But where you really cause yourself trouble is exposing your eyes to that, especially after dark, where now, uh, historically speaking, uh, your eyes would have only seen candlelight or, or fire, you know, right. you know, after sunset. Yeah. Yeah. This again, you know, for me, it always goes back to nature and it's just the common sense of it. Duh. We don't want light that our brain thinks is noon when it's midnight. Like that just can't be good. I don't even need to know the science. I just know that just sounds dumb. (laughs) So uh, another, a great takeaway here though, is when one goes to shop for lighting and you just, you're like, I don't know, you go on Amazon or Home Depot or whatever that you want to look for, for your evening lighting setup, the lower uh, Kelvin would be the most biologically appropriate. So if a 2000 is like a slightly warm white light, then what would a, what would a red light, like a red incandescent party bulb be in terms of uh, oh, that's a, that's a good question. Actually, two thousand will look pretty amber. That'll it look will? It'll, oh, okay. that'll look pretty pretty yellow, even orange, orangish. Even twenty seven hundred, um, it's going to feel pretty like a pretty warm, pretty soft light. So same same settings as I forget the name of the one app. There's one called Iris. There's one uh, oh, for um, your for your laptops where you can dial it down. Sure, sure. I use Iris. I think that's the best one because you can get really hardcore and kill yeah. all the blue. Um, what's that other one? We have Night Shift on the iPhone, there's Iris Flux. Flux, Flux, that's what I was thinking about. But then you find out Flux doesn't cut, you can't cut out the green spectrum. Yeah. So I wonder what, in terms of Kelvin, uh, I wonder in terms of Kelvin's in the light temperature, at what point is melatonin suppressed? Oh, that's that's an interesting question, yeah. Yeah, and it's definitely going to be like down and probably even below the amber spectrum and into the red spectrum, really. Because when they have those programs like Flux or even some of those blue blocking glasses that are more yellow, what I found out is that even the green spectrum of light, which is just below, I guess, in Kelvin's would be below the blue, that suppresses melatonin. Not as much as blue light, but maybe half as much. So yeah, if you want to really beat the melatonin, yeah, the ill effects of melatonin killing. You have to stop the blue light and the green light. God damn! Why can't we just live, man? <laughs> what a pain in the ass being a human is. It's all this biohacking. Sometimes just like, really, do I have to do all this just to be a regular guy? But I don't want to be a regular guy. I want to be optimal. Yeah, but it's because we're we're trying to live in the modern world with these conveniences. I mean, God bless the light switch. You walk turn walk in your house. It's dark as hell out. Turn the light switch on. Ah, <laughs> you know, you hear the the um, the gospel singers groove and it's this magic moment that we take for granted but um it comes with a cost so yeah well i think we covered everything guys that i wanted to talk about man as i said i was like it'll be an hour famous last word so <laughs> we covered uh, above and beyond the call of duty here i want to thank you guys for your time as we wrap it up um i've learned a lot from you two knuckleheads today <laughs> 
Who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your work that you might uh, suggest our listeners go check out as well? Oh, well, I've mentioned uh, a few already, but uh, Dr. Gerald Pollack, I think, was one that that uh, your audience would find fascinating. Overall, just the importance of water and the and the role that it that it uh, plays in health, and then you know he, he touches on some of the impacts that light have on that. So uh, I'd have to go with with his his work. Uh, and uh, Dr. Hamblin, if you're if you're into reading the uh, the medical uh, clinical data on the science of uh, photobiomodulation, there's really no one else that comes to mind as being you know at the forefront of uh, of so that he's field. He's the Mac Daddy of that yeah. field. Okay, cool. That's good to know. The Mac Daddy. The, you, got a, uh, you got a third? <laughs> a third. Gosh, you're going to stump me now. When Another... I stump people, they're usually like, um, my granddad. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's cool, but we can't Google your granddad in typically and go learn from them. But it's, it's up to you. Some people, it's Jesus or Buddha or something too. The other the Q was Martin Luther King and Malcolm X were two of his. I was like, dope. <laughs> Haven't heard them. Maybe Gandhi was one. So, you know, it's whatever. If you can't think, I'll, 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 <laughs> go ahead. We'll I'll, go back I'll, I'll, I'll name some. If you're into like this sort of stuff, I do think you know to plug the Signature Health guys. Like they're doing some really cool stuff when it comes to uh, deuterium depletion research. So I mean, if yeah. you're into like the next kind of cool thing, um, I think they're doing some really interesting work. You know, I I'm kind of a like most of the stuff that I read is like nonfiction. So. Um, I'm a big fan of like Andrew Warner and his work with like Mixergy. He's kind of like a startup business guy. So like that's that's cool. Um, Rand Fishkin, founder of Moz, M-O-Z, Moz.com. I think his what he's his work over the course of like time in the startup world is pretty cool. So those would probably maybe be awesome. Be three that I'd call out. Yeah. Excellent. Did you come up with your third yet? <laughs> I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm not going to lie. I'm struggling. Grandpa Strand. We'll, we'll let you off really... easy. You gave us two heavy hitters. We, we, we can go out with that. And where can we find uh, you guys? Uh, anything you want to promote? Social media, uh, web addresses, any of that stuff? Yeah. Our website is juve.com. That's J double O double V. Dot com and uh, yeah, check us out there. If you go to our learn page, you can read up on all the science that we referred to today. Uh, virtually every single article on there uh, cites multiple clinical studies, uh, so you don't have to take our word for it. You can uh, read the science behind it as well. And then perhaps is uh, equally interesting for a lot of people are the the customer reviews, and that's probably our my favorite uh, part of being in this industry is just seeing the the actual first-hand accounts from people that are they're trying th- the therapy out and the benefits that they're receiving. I'm glad you mentioned that because listeners, uh, one of the things that I enjoy most as a podcast host is getting reviews on iTunes. <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> reading the reviews. Yeah, thank you for that. So please, if you're listening, you know, I, I always recommend that you or not recommend, but uh, beg and plead on my hands and knees that you um, that you do this before and after the shows and my intros and outros. But please leave a review; uh, it's helpful. You, did he forget any uh, things you want to point people to? No, no, that's I, it. You, him, okay, them all. Yeah. Juve dot com, j o o v v dot com, and my listeners know. I mean, I talk about this stuff all the time. Whenever I find something that I use a lot. I talk about it because it helps so many people and tons of my listeners have already bought Jews and are totally into it. Half my friends have them. It's, it's a thing, which is why I'm really <laughs> glad to get you guys on the show. And it's perfect timing because now you've had a you know huge sort of development with your next generation here. So that'll be great. Is that going to be out by the time we publish this? Yep. It's out now. It already yeah, is? Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, cool. I wasn't sure yeah. if this is the prototype, whatever. Those of you listening, as I said, we have this giant wall of 
the wall of sound, man. Uh, no, we have this wall of red light over here in the living room. We're going to shoot some videos of it right now. So I think that's it, guys. Well, thanks for joining me on the Lifestylist podcast. And uh, you be well until we meet again. Awesome. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it. All right, party people. I told you we're going to learn a lot in this episode. Man, it is so fun to keep cranking out these shows. Just when I think I've covered every topic related to health and spirituality, I find a new device or I find a new expert and I take it to the next level. So I was super stoked to become a bit more knowledgeable about this particular topic myself. And uh, it just gives me so much pleasure to keep dropping these episodes to you. I get to learn so much and I get so much positive feedback from the listeners. It is bananas. People that join the newsletter, which of course you can do by texting the word lifestylist to the number 44222 on any US phone. That's one word, all lowercase, lifestylist to the number 44222 on any US phone, or you can go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. People email me all the time. Oh my God, this is having such an impact on my health or my peace of mind and happiness. I get all kinds of direct messages on Instagram, people leaving comments on Instagram, people reposting the show, etc. So um, what we're doing here as a community, as a tribe here, you guys, me, you, the guests, and all you listeners, um, we're really creating a, a movement here. You know, it's a relatively small movement in the great scheme of things, but we are all making a difference in improving people's lives. So uh, thank you for joining me on that journey. Speaking of journey, I've got a special episode coming out for you. Epis- did I just say that? Episode. I've got an episode, dude. Uh, no, seriously, my birthday is October 29th, and I decided that was the day I'm going to drop episode number 170, which is called Soul Power Spirituality. And that's my talk live at OsteoStrong. It's a bootleg broadcast special birthday show. Comes out on Monday. I don't think I've ever done a Monday show before. But Monday happened to be my exact um, natal birthday. And so I thought, you know what? This is a, was a really meaningful night for me. Uh, it was a very personal talk, uh, very much about my own uh, inner journey of spirituality. And so I thought, you know what? Let's celebrate the birthday with that. So if you're subscribed to the show, which I hope you are, God, I mean, like I would seriously be um, dismayed if you just were catching these piecemeal. So you should definitely click subscribe on your player right now. No, like seriously, right now. So you don't miss any show, including next Monday. But guess what? Of course, as promised, I'll be back next Tuesday because I'm here with you every single Tuesday, do or die, ride or die, no matter what. Wild horses couldn't drag my ass from giving you a show every Tuesday. Next Tuesday show is Relationship Mastery, Sex, Love, and Success with Melissa Ambrosini and Nick Broadhurst. That's number 171. And I'm just going to tell you what straight up. Uh, you know, it's my show, so of course I'm biased, but that is one of the best ever, especially on the topics of sex and love and how to um, include those in your relationship with someone that you also do business with. Um, it was the first time I sat down with a couple and talk to them very intimately about their relationship. I mean, it's weird, like sitting <laughs> sitting down at your dining room table, like talking to someone about kind of some of the details of their sex life to a degree. Very interesting. And I don't know that I necessarily plan going there, but they were willing and, uh, you know, it just rolled like that. So you definitely want to check that out if you're in a relationship and you're looking to make it work or make it deeper, or if you're someone who is 
out of a relationship currently and uh, you want to create a standard or a model uh, by which you can build something in the future, you definitely want to check out 171. So again, subscribe to the show, folks. And then listen, man, remember in two days, we can all be hanging out at Whitma Live in New York City. That's at Assemblage. I think it's in Midtown or something like that. Great venue, amazing event. This will be my third time uh, doing a panel at Whitma Live. It's some of the coolest, smartest, most lit people you could ever have in one room in that city. That's October 25th, Whitma Live. Then I'll be doing a very special workshop, which I've been talking a lot about. I want to pack that room. This is going to be really my my maiden voyage at teaching a little bit of kundalini yoga at Rama Institute, uh, New York City on the Lower East Side. That's October 27th. So it's not a full-on kundalini yoga class, but I'm definitely going to integrate uh, some of that practice. We're going to do some breath work, some writing exercises. It's going to be a, a deeply moving psychological and spiritual experience. Trust me, you want to be there October 27th. And that's in four days. So if you're hearing this right now, uh, get on the case. Get over to lukestory.com forward slash events and hook your tickets up before it's too late. I'll be back in LA December 14th and 16th with my buddy Neil Strauss and I'll be doing a biohacking lounge at his event. Uh, it's, it's called the Biohacking Intensive and I'll also be doing a talk there. That's December 14th and 16th. Uh, so I think that's it other than just thanking our beloved, truly beloved sponsors, First up, we've got Altera Pure. You can go to alterapure.com and get what I think are the highest quality, cleanest, most organic, most legit sheets and bedding in the world. I, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm in love with them. I sleep on them every night. Uh, and you can also save 15%. They're already way affordable. That's the crazy thing. Every time I, I actually run into them at events and stuff and I'm kind of going... I don't want to tell them how to run their business, but I always think, I think you guys could raise your prices and still be competitive and fairly priced, but whatever it is, what it is. I don't know. Maybe they got a good deal, but they're really, really high quality soft sheets and they're beyond organic. So you can save 15% at alterapure.com using the code lifestylist. There it is. Just like that one word lifestylist, you're going to sign up to the newsletter. Use that at alterapure.com. Then we've got my boys, well, I guess it's boys and, and girls, ladies and men over at uh, Vital Reaction. So you can go to vital-reaction.com and you can save 10% off your molecular hydrogen tablets or an inhaler using the code LUKEH2. That's vital-reaction.com, 10% off with the code LUKEH2. And that 10% is very meaningful, especially if you're looking into one of the inhalers. I mean, this is like a hardcore medical device. I have one sitting in my living room right now. I use it religiously at least once, if not two or three times a day. When I take road trips, I plug it into my car and like I have a special little setup in the back seat and I drive around inhaling that thing. Um, I throw it in my suitcase when I take trips. If you were at my Mercado Sagrado event recently in Los Angeles and rolled through my biohacking lounge, you likely tried the Vital Reaction inhaler and probably got super lit up as a result. So go to vital-reaction.com. Use the code LUKEH2 to save 10% off your molecular hydrogen tablets that you just drop in water very conveniently. Or if you want to go hardcore and drop some cash, you can do the inhaler. And that is like a major life upgrade. 
Uh, and then we've got, of course, Organifi. You can go to Organifi.com forward slash Luke and save 20% with that same code, the old lifestylist, one word, lifestylist, 20% at Organifi.com. That is, of course, spelled with an I. If you get over there and you're wondering what to get, I do the green powder every morning and I do the gold powder just about every night, but they also have a probiotic. They have some plant-based protein. They got a bunch of stuff over to Organifi.com. Super high quality, very affordable, especially if you use that lifestylist code to save 20%. So that's what's up. Make sure to join me on my birthday here next Monday for number 170 and then next Tuesday with Melissa Ambrosini and Nick Broders, where we get down and funky with their relationship skills. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I'll be in your eardrums next week. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.